This is episode 8 of the Michaelated Show. Welcome. We have very special guest today in the house. We have Bryce App, the one and only Bryce App. And we are live. All right. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. You look fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thanks you for having me here. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you coming by. Being in person is fantastic because our first uh, conversation was uh, the first remote show you did. Yes, that's right. So I ran into you at the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you would be good to be on Us by the Giant. Yeah. And then you said, I think about it. And then you said, yes. Mm-hmm. And then everything happened. And we asked you, hey, do you want to do it remotely? Are you good with that? And you said, yes. You're a man who says yes a lot. Yes, yes, absolutely, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Is, that um, is that is that like really how you are? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's um, a way I've always been, usually the first to raise my hand to volunteer to do something, uh, usually uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to push that in myself a little, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you push yourself through f- Fear or uncomfortable yeah, uncomfortableness, anxiety? yeah, anxiety, fear, a yeah. lot of those things that uh, tend to hinder some people. I, I, of course, I'm afraid of a lot of these sorts of things, like anyone, but I like to take the challenge, and yeah, you know, I, I find it sometimes easier to be first. Okay, yeah, because you can, because everybody's watching. Uh you know, <laughs> you haven't, you haven't uh, been influenced by others, okay. and you get to really give it your your own honest uh, try, right? Yes. I like that. Okay. Would you jump out of an airplane parachute? Probably. Yeah, I've jumped. Uh, I used to do high-rise caulking uh, in Vancouver. Ooh, what's uh, that? So working on swing stages. Oh, so, like swing yeah, stages? Yeah, so climbing over the edge of a building onto oh. a platform and working. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Like the way downtown? Vancouver? Yeah, downtown, the big buildings, uh, 400 plus feet above the ground. And yes. yeah, I'm quite comfortable with that after the first few times. Did you push yourself through that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Everyone has to kind of push <laughs> themselves over the edge the first time. Yeah. But uh, I guess some people are very, they don't have that. Like some people don't, uh, are not afraid of heights. Well, again, not afraid so much as willing to accept the fear mm-hmm. and push through it and, and experience it. So like a lot of the things I do are quite dangerous and and scary but i i enjoy that uh feeling of accomplishment so when i was a truck driver yeah you know i, I drove a lot of uh big equipment in some pretty precarious <laughs> times and positions i used to ride a really fast motorcycle mm. so you know Nin- i ninja yeah yeah i had a 1200 cc ninja one of the <laughs> fastest ones ninja. yeah so i i enjoyed that uh yes. immensely wow so how did when did you stop driving the, the motorcycle? Uh, well, I stopped riding. I had a bad accident, actually a fall at work in 2008 and broke okay. my back. Uh, and I sold my motorcycle at that time and, and took my life took a major change. I, I went out of trucking. I went back to school. Yeah. And uh, then that led me eventually here to Thunder Bay to my kombucha business. But mm-hmm. That's a life journey. Well, that's, a, that's one piece of it. Anyway, I've, I've done a lot of different jobs. I've lived a lot of different places and... You know, and, and now with the change recently with closing down my business, I'm going to be making another major change and moving to Vancouver. So 
Wow. Mm-hmm. I know. You sp- you're spilling all the beans here. Oh, well, there's a lot. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got plenty of plenty of things to say. No, I you know, you are the third guys here I've know that was moving back home and specifically British Columbia. Mm-hmm. I think it's like this year is um a reality check. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to maybe you have a lot of time, things are changing, nothing is like it used to be. And you you have time to think about, hey, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the decision for me uh, focuses too around housing. Mm. So for me, um, once the business shut down here, I couldn't no longer afford my apartment. Okay. So I, uh, I managed to find a small camper and I'm going to drive that out to Vancouver and I'll stay in the camper yeah. until I can secure some work and, and find a place. So when I used to live in Vancouver, I always had roommates. Mm. So, you know, it'd be nice to have my own little space out there until I get settled somewhere. And this gives me the versatility to move around too while I'm there mm. to check out different spots. I have I have friends and family all over BC and I've been in contact with a few already and, and some interesting conversations have happened. So we'll see where I go, whether yeah. it's the island or some s- small in- interior town. You just never know. There's so many places in BC that fascinate me that I've always wanted to travel. Often when I go through BC or I've lived there, I'm so busy working. You know, you don't often get the time to explore yeah. some of the places. Were you able at all to take time off while you were running kombucha? No, so you know when when I started the kombucha business, I went to Vancouver and I visited six different kombucha breweries That's to right. uh, to you know examine the industry yep. and get some ideas for my own shop. So that was the first time I'd been there in years. I was really impressed with the changes, mm. and uh, now the more I've been investigating it again. When did you leave Vancouver? How old were you? Uh, well, so I was born there, and I, I left as a, a young child. My parents. Uh, li- in Nelson. Mm. So we, we lived in Nelson for a while and then Saskatoon for a year and then Thunder Bay. Okay. And my dad got a job at Lakehead University. Yeah. And so we, we settled here. I grew up here. Um, but, uh, as soon as I had a chance to move back to BC, I did. You did. eh? Yeah. So when I was 21, I, I went back to Vancouver the first time I stayed there for a number of years. Then I moved to Winnipeg and, uh, outside of Winnipeg and then back to Vancouver and then back to Manitoba and yeah. And now back to Thunder Bay now for the past few years. Yeah, that's nice. What 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 did you miss when you were 21 and you wanted to go back to Vancouver? I don't know. I had a real calling for that that scenery, the mountains and, and the, the ocean, just the, the, the nature. Yeah, like here in Thunder Bay, it's a, it's a version of that. Smaller hills, you know, you have the skiing. I love the winter. And whatnot. So, you know, yeah. I enjoyed bits of that, but, but Whistler, you know, is, is not Loch Lomond. Like to, to go ski, you know, uh, Whistler Baldy was, was, oh, I'm sorry, Whistler uh, Blackholm was, was really something better than Baldy was where I grew up skiing. So, oh, it's true. Being in the mountains, you was, can surf. Mm-hmm. In one day, you can surf on the sea, and then you can ski in the Rockies. Yeah, well, the Sea to Sky Highway was one of my favorite joys, is when we would get a chance to get away. My friends and I would drive up to Whistler, yeah. you know, to Squamish, to camp at, at Big Chief, and yeah. and really enjoy nature. So I'm looking forward to getting back to, to doing some of that. And having the camper gives you that flexibility to, to get out into some nature and 
you know, yeah. enjoy that. You pulling out of a truck or something? I have a big diesel truck and uh, it's a slide in that I've, I've, oh, yeah. So is I'm, it like I'm, a little house on top of the truck? Then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's the second one I've owned. I owned uh, one years ago and did a lot of traveling. Took it to BC from Manitoba and, mm. and really enjoyed that. I've seen people driving those around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it, I think it's enough room, right? Oh, it's, it's a terrific space inside I, I got really lucky picked one up for just a few hundred dollars that needed some work and i'm, I'm renovating it currently and as okay. soon as i'm done I'll, i'll be on my way okay you have a date set i'm out of town t- uh, tomorrow well you know <laughs> those always have to be a little loose with okay. me i've got a lot of stuff going on still yeah. trying to sell the business and equipment and okay. and work on this project but uh you know before the weather gets cold it would be nice to be out of town yes Did you, so I, I misunderstood maybe, so is it the kombucha business, did you sell it now or no? No, I've, I've managed to sell some of the equipment, but the, the majority of the business is still intact and, and looking for a sale. I'm actually meeting with uh, someone on Thursday, potentially, mm-hmm. to, to take it over. Yes, and it's that, a good and, business. Well, see, the nice thing is this person showed interest in remaining kind of true to the recipe and the customer base that I've I've built, yeah. which would be great because my customers are really sad that I've had to close the business and mm-hmm. you know and, and step away from that. So it would be nice if someone picked it up. How did you come to that conclusion that it was time for you to, the, the mountains called you? Well, like again, it was the, really the housing, I think, was the the real major concern. So my business uh, had an, an apartment next door yeah. and the business paid my rent. Yeah. So when I lost the business, you know, and I, I lost my ability to, to pay my rent. Because of COVID? Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought, well, you know, this is, this is going to be tough because uh, Thunder Bay has zero occupancy rate for that level of housing. Mm. I stayed in rooming houses when I moved here and um, all kinds of some really terrible places. Um, so I thought, you know, I, I'd rather take my chances on finding some work uh, out west and, and being able to take this house with me. Yeah. You know, that was an idea I had years ago. So I built a tiny home in 2007. So when I was a long-distance truck driver, I had a lot of friends who were moving to Fort McMurray. And they said, you should come up here and drive with us. Like, we're making some good money. But That's the only, where the oil sands are, right? Yeah, the oil sands. And But the problem is out there that there's no accommodations. Yeah. So all this great money you're making, you give to somebody, you know, for a bedroom, uh, right, in a rental house. And, yeah. and I thought, well, this is, I, what's the point? I might as well just stay in my current job. I'm making good money yeah. living on the road. Um, but then I thought, you know, tiny homes fascinated me the shipping container architecture, stuff yes. like that. And uh, I'd been hauling reefer trailers, you know, insulated trailers with produce okay. for some years. And I knew the efficiency of those trailers was phenomenal. So I bought an old 53-foot uh, reefer trailer, oh, wow. and I converted that into a house. Wow. Yeah, it was full off-grid with propane and solar. and You put uh, windows in there? Yeah, windows and doors, and I lived in that for six years. I, I never went to Fort Mac with it because, like I mentioned earlier, I'd had that bad fall and I broke my back. Yeah. But the most interesting thing was because I had done that and I was already living there, it gave me the flexibility to pursue my education. So my retraining and my new life and all these things that were possible was all because of my affordable housing. 
Where where would you park it though? Oh well, I got I got trail. really lucky. Like you, I know people can park at Walmart like for a night because in the summer you see those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. They they drive through the country or whatever. So truck stops ideally. Okay. So I I was renting a, a space in a parking lot for a while, but then I got really lucky and I found a mobile home pad on a horse ranch just north of Winnipeg. Okay. So I had my trailer on a horse ranch. And I would, I love horses. I, I used to ride horses. So ah. I, I would clean the barn and, and do chores around the, the ranch for some of my, my fees. And yeah. it was really, it was wonderful. And then I, I started a small business there. I had the space to accumulate some cars. Mm. So I got into the, the used car business. Nice. Specialized in Crown Victorias, the Ooh. ex-police cars. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I had about 20 ex-police cars that, that I repaired and sold. That was that was really fun. Yeah, they have usually rear wheel drive, don't they? Oh, they are rear wheel drive. Yeah, and then a huge engine. No, it. it's only a four point six. It's a small, small V eight. But For a uh, car. Yeah, you know, it, they're <laughs> not all that fast, but they're very tough. Okay, they're very durable. They yeah. they used to become taxis, uh, and uh, when the taxis went to the Priuses mm. and the more efficient cars, then the Crown Vicks were free. Yeah, and I got into that and uh, really enjoyed that. Had some had some wonderful Crown Vicks and a lot of fun with that business. It's typical American, right? That was an incredible car. the The Ford Crown Vic was used by many police departments across North America for uh, over fifteen years. Yeah, a very long time. Yeah, so it it was uh, it was a wonderful car and cabs, right? Yeah, and all the taxis. So yeah. you can even buy it. You could also buy it like the Lincoln version of it. Yeah, all so yeah, you can actually. There's one called the Mercury Marauder. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite. It's called the Panther Platform, Ooh. and that oh, there's many different versions. Uh, some really cool stuff. Did it have a bigger engine in there? Uh, it had a different engine. Mm. It, it was aluminum. Okay. Uh, it was a little more high performance. Yeah, direct injection. Uh, yes. Yeah, but. Uh, You know, they're much more difficult to get your hands on. Very expensive. They only came in black, just like the Grand National. Nice. So I never did get my hands on one of those. Mm. But I had a really uh, beautiful gray, dark gray ghost car, you know, like a old police car yeah, that yeah. Uh, was painted uh, a beautiful color and mm. drove that for many years. So everybody around you always slowed down. Because <laughs> that was the most fun you thing did. about that car. Yeah, you did have to stay on your best behavior, which was good for me. I kind of need that yeah. <laughs> you know uh, eyes on me to keep me honest to keep me from speeding mm -hmm. and and that car did that yeah. one of my friends that i'd sold one of the crown vicks to got a knock on his door one day it was the police oh, oh. they said oh we we uh, saw you speeding around the neighborhood we just came to warn you that we'll be extra you know yeah. severe with the punishment you're you're making us look bad we're looking out for you actually you know just recently he had another knock at his door it was the police uh to check his car because of the incident on the east coast yes yeah, very scary. and so all of the people that drove police cars were paid a visit mm -hmm. so it is like and that car was like made to look exactly like a police car well so was mine and my friends like all of wow. them do you know uh so aside from the badging, uh, but they did have the stickers on the back that say police interceptor. So oh, they did still. It, it is really hard to distinguish, you know, the especially now, even the way they drive them now. They most police cars are unmarked. Yep, and I think that's an interesting trend. You can always tell. I, I maybe you have an eye for it, but I think I kind of can spot them. Sometimes I was surprised. Like sometimes I see a, a Dodge fifteen hundred. And then he puts the light on. And I was like, wow, 
So I did not expect that. So I worked for a short time for a rental car company in Winnipeg. Okay. And uh, the police were the best clients. Mm. They would always have cars out rented. They would use them for special investigations and all oh, kinds okay. of things. So they can be in anything. You know, when I lived in Vancouver, an interesting thing the police did out there was they would use confiscated vehicles. So if they would confiscate your vehicle, they would use it. They would use it? Yeah. Really? That's they would a throw a radio in it. Yeah. And they would use it. Wow. Yeah. Put some mileage on there because For you sure. were a bad boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, usually you wouldn't get it back. Usually uh, those vehicles yeah. they would keep. Oh, that was done. A lot of times they auction them, but beforehand they would they would use, use them. them. Okay. Yeah. I guess they can do that. Sure. Why not, right? Yeah. Like Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Yeah. They impounded that Ferrari. So <laughs> might as well drive it around. <laughs> that's right. Slap on a... Special radio in there, yeah. good to go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you ever get a ticket with your ninja? Oh, yeah. Many tickets, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? Like well, when you stop, if you decide to stop for them, yeah, yeah. Um, they can be quite generous. Okay. Um, I had a really interesting time one time. I was on a trip from Winnipeg to Thunder Bay uh, with a couple friends. And they had BMWs, and I had my ninja. And we were riding east of uh, Dryden. Okay. And uh, we were, we were t you know, hitting some pretty high speeds. And uh, then finally on a straightaway, I looked in my mirror. I saw a police car behind us yeah. coming up on me. So he raced up beside us and he flagged us all over. And, mm. and we all pulled over. And, you know, he was driving at the time a new Interceptor. Yeah. Uh, the, the Dodge Interceptor, a special edition they had given a few police departments to try out. Mm. Like the uh, Charger? No, it was it was a Dodge Intercept. This is an old intrepid like Interceptor. Okay. It was it was like a number of years ago before the new platforms. And uh he said he had a blast chasing us because he hadn't had a chance to open this car up yet. <laughs> and uh so because we'd all stopped and and we were driving, you know, really well-maintained bikes and and we weren't taking any crazy chances with traffic. We were alone. He was generous and he knocked the speed down and, and we paid our tickets and okay. went on our way. But if he had decided to, you know, stick it to us, it would have been, it would have been brutal. Yeah. So I am really glad I, I owned that bike in my previous life. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. Uh, and I, I definitely don't have the uh, uh, restraint, I think, any longer to, to drive those bikes, nor, nor the... Um, the abilities i think that's a young man's game mm. you know it it's uh the speed the the dexterity the timing of the decisions you have to make it's quick i just don't think i really have the yeah yeah the the abilities any longer like i used to what was fascinating about it the speed oh yeah the, yeah the acceleration oh for sure yeah there's What? nothing like that that's that's a really unique feeling to to be Going that fast on a motorcycle, it's really quite a quite a thrill. Yeah. Did you feel safe? Uh, well, I don't know about safe. Like, you, you mitigate the risks, mm -hmm. you know, make sure the bike's in good condition, you know. Uh, but, you know, you, there's, there's quite a risk in, in doing things like that. So you never really feel safe. Okay. You, you feel in control. You did feel in control? Yeah. 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 You feel in control. But what you can control and yeah. anything outside is that's it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, like you know, wildlife or, or other drivers, you know, yeah. you're not in control of those things, the elements. Yeah. But uh you know, you, you can just do what you can to control the things in, in your abilities and yeah and enjoy the ride.
did you do this one where you just like pull it up and then you 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 bend that um license plate oh <laughs> well i've done a lot of wheelies but i've never come that close to flipping it over thankfully <laughs> yeah yeah it's not the ninja but i i had a dirt bikes uh, and they didn't the wheelies didn't always go so well yeah i've ended up in the dirt a few times yeah did you wear the protective gear though i guess uh for the most part you know i i've always worn a helmet yeah um i've always encouraged my friends to wear helmets um i had a, a friend of mine had a really bad accident some years ago mm. and his helmet was unbelievably destroyed and he was fine wow. and uh after witnessing that seeing that that helmet I just couldn't imagine riding without one. You know, it's a simple thing to fall from that height at really not even a high speed. There was a really famous bike builder, Indian Larry, mm. years ago, fell off his bike doing a trick and uh, died. And he was at the height of his fame. And it was just so sad because yeah. it's such a silly thing, you know, to have happened to such a great guy. So, Man. you know, that risk again that, you know, I like to mitigate the risk. So that one's a little bit outside my comfort zone. That's good. Yeah. So you were you you liked the excitement, but you were reasonable with it. I tried to. Well, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm still alive. So I remember when we did a road trip uh, from Victoria over the Rockies and then to uh, Calgary. One time we were passed by two guys on motorbikes. And almost, I think, four or six guys actually, and they were just like zipping, like mm -hmm. zoom. Mm -hmm. It was two lanes, and then about a half an hour later, we, we passed them again and. One of them had crashed into mm. the, um, well, my parents didn't let me look. I was younger back then. Mm. And we just, you know, that like you, I actually saw the woman who, because they were riding together, of course, mm -hmm. and they were just running towards where it happened. Mm -hmm. We would lose, we would lose riders every year in our, in our group, in our pack, you know, uh, every year there would be new riders Or experienced riders that, that would either fall or, or get hit. Something would happen. But uh, it was a guarantee that every year a couple would uh, would crash or That's crazy. get hit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've, I told myself, because the way I drive a bicycle mm -hmm. with my manpower mm -hmm. or my leg power, mm -hmm. really, I, I already do. I do... When I was young, I did too much crazy stuff with the bicycle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I knew if I would get a motorbike, I probably would kill myself. Well, you 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 have a different respect, though, for it with the engine and whatnot, I find. Because I, I rode a bike, I rode BMXs, and, and mm -hmm. we did lots of crazy stuff. But once you get on that, that thing with the big engine and there's yeah. vehicles all around you, it's it's a different world. Yeah, but with that speed and you can have it and it's so easy. I, for me personally, mm -hmm. I can see myself getting in trouble with it. I'm thinking of getting another one now that I'm <laughs> going back to VC. Yeah. You know, insurance out there is cheap for bikes and I'm thinking of getting another KLR 650. So okay. it's the Enduro mm. Kawasaki makes. Yeah, It's a beautiful on-off-road bike. I've had a couple Ooh. of them in my life and, and done many miles on them. They're wonderful bikes. Single cylinder. Yeah. Very simple. Does very it fit cheap. into your setup with the truck and the trailer? I could uh, I could easily drop it on the front or back on a on a mount. Uh, do you have a hitch in the front of the truck? Uh, no, but I could easily put one on. Yeah, whenever I see a pickup truck with a hitch in the front, I'm like, oh, you're serious. Yeah, about a, a winch or a hitch, maybe to back a boat into a funny spot. Yeah, yeah. it's always versatile and it's interesting. Like, you are serious. Yeah, yeah. This, this is serious. Well, it's a pretty big truck. It'll it'll take it if I wanted to take a bike with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. currently just a mountain bike is all i have that's good sure yeah, yeah. you go out to shunya mines 
No, the the off-roading stuff on on the mountain bike, I don't get into too much serious off-roading anymore with my mm. my bad back and yeah. I I've been to Shunya Mines on my bike, but I just stick to some pretty pretty mellow trails. Yeah, more like cardio. Yeah, plain and simple. Just just there for the exercise. That's good. I'm not looking for those thrills anymore just because of my injuries. I'm missing the fingers on my left hand. Oh, I never noticed. <laughs> yeah, most people don't. Yeah. So I have trouble gripping the bars. Actually, on my motorcycles, I had to have custom, uh, uh, on a couple of the bikes I've owned, I've had to have custom levers made for the mm-hmm. clutch because I have such a short uh, pull and a weak hand because I only have the one finger uh, okay. to pull the lever. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That was another big change in my life. When I was a, a high-rise caulking technician in Vancouver, like I was telling you about very physical job, climbing ladders, carrying steel plates, setting up the beams, yeah. doing, squeezing the caulking guns. You know, it was a lot of hard that's work. That's crazy. And after my accident, I couldn't return to that. So I got my uh, class one license mm-hmm. and I started trucking. And that was always my lifelong dream was to become a truck driver. But How come? I, I grew up with an uncle who I really admired, who was a truck driver, mm. and I fell in love with the trucks. Just because of his way of life? Yeah, the the trucks, uh, you know, yeah, his lifestyle, who he was. Just, yeah. It's such a cool manly thing, mm-hmm. right? Driving trucks and equipment. He had a farm. I lived on that farm with him yeah. when I was 14. He let me drive some trucks then, and uh, that really ignited my love. And then I uh, started working for Lakehead Freightways yeah. when I was 15 here in town, mm-hmm. the freight company. And uh, then I worked at Kiefer Terminals at the docks, driving forklifts and, and whatnot. Nice. So I always wanted to drive a truck, but, you know, it's um, my immaturity around the vehicles <laughs> kept me away for quite some time. Okay. I, I was just too wild, you know, to uh-huh. take on that. that. I, I, um, I did a course through school, a co-op work course. Yeah. And this driver take me out to Dog uh, River. And we'd load pulp trucks and take them to the mill. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the level of responsibility that he had with this truck and the equipment he was using, I thought, man, mm. I can't do this. Like, okay. you know, so it, it took me quite some time to build that confidence, maturity, maturity, maturity. Okay. Yeah. Because you, you said you push yourself through things. Mm-hmm. So it's more like you were, you, you inside, you knew you were not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay yeah absolutely i have right here that's a really good you know most people are just like yeah i can do it no i have that i have that fake it till you make it sort of overconfidence uh in a lot of things i do mm. um like i remember the first time a, a foreman asked me if i could drive a forklift i said yes sure and i'd never had mm. but i'd seen people do it <laughs> <laughs> so i thought you know Did I, you drive it right there and then yeah yeah it was a simple move that's why i said i could do it okay. you know it was just move a pallet into a rail car yeah. so i could keep unloading flour without needing a guy to come do it for me yeah did i was you, only 15 did you know the levers and everything yeah i'd been watching and okay. and what you don't what you do when you don't know is you just touch it slowly yeah. You just you just touch it very lightly and you and see you which see. way it moves and you're like, oh, okay. So I've operated a lot of heavy equipment, cranes and, and different things. So As long as you turned on the propane before you started it, you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, some are propane, some are gas, some are electric. You know, yeah. I've driven so many different uh, pieces of equipment. Nice. They're, they're all fun. Sometimes I go in mine and I start it up and the way I work, I'd use it sometimes and then... It starts and then it dies and then I was oh yeah I forgot the propane mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that <laughs> that uh, dusty black soot is something I definitely don't miss of propane forklifts yeah 
I wonder why they do propane. Do you know? Just for the inside. For the for the breathability of the gases, okay, yeah. So you can you can operate them in in enclosed spaces, uh, but now they've moved moved mostly to electric. Electric, right? yeah. Have you ever tried electric? Oh yeah, yeah. I've used a lot of electric lifts. So when I drove for uh, Petro Canada, I, I would unload with an electric pallet jack that I would take with me mm. because the skids of drums were so heavy. Yeah, and you'd have a power jack. Yeah, you can't move those otherwise. No, especially on an incline or or you know a rough floor. But uh, did you try out an electric uh, motorcycle yet? No, I have dying to uh, electric car, electric motorcycle. All these are fun electric toys. I, I'm really in, intrigued. Well, the torque of an electric motor is phenomenal, right? Yeah. So uh, I can just imagine some of the fun you can have. Yeah. The only one I ever uh, I, I saw a Kia here in town. They had one for sale, like the Soul EV. And I just, you know, I only went there, sorry, I only went there to, I said I want to test drive it and maybe look by it, but I really just wanted to drive it and mm-hmm. see how mm-hmm. it is. And it was amazing. Like for the car, what it is and how it pulls very first and then what it does, but I, th- like it was nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the range wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can't, I can't do that yet where the range would compromise and then the price. In Northwestern Ontario, you really need a hybrid. My dad has a nice uh, Malibu hybrid. Okay. So it's got the assist of the batteries, mm. but you're running on gas. Yeah. You know, so like with the long range you need here in Northwestern Ontario, it'll be a while before we're all driving like Teslas and things. But, yeah. you know, I see the range extending all the time. Battery technology is, is coming along and, you know, you look at some of the ranges they're coming out with now are, are mm. pretty impressive. Do you think it's going to be a game changer for trucking too? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I've al- always thought that from the time I, I first saw the design, I thought, yeah, you could uh, cover a complete trailer with uh, photovoltaic like cells and, and mm. charge the system. Yeah. Uh, regen charging from the braking with all that weight. You know, if you found a way to uh, capture okay. all of that the energy, energy yeah. it'd be a tremendous amount of energy, like going down a hill, slowing that truck, mm. you know, with, with the motor putting all that energy back into your batteries, yeah. you know, uh, for what it took you to drive up the hill, you would, you would gain it all coming back down. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a amazing things. Like I say, the torque of an electric motor, the ease, the complexity of a diesel engine is, is just mind blowing mm. in a new truck. Yeah. Um, the cost of maintenance, you know, you have to run a million miles. You know, how many, how many different parts need to get changed? What's mm. your downtime? So driving an electric engine truck is far less moving parts, less downtime, more reliability. It's less weight without the battery. Oh, yeah. Well, but the battery back is pretty heavy. Well, it yeah. depends. You know, I, I'm not sure about how that's balancing out these days. Mm. It's really with the fuel too, though. Remember when I would have a truck that could go halfway across the country on one tank of fuel. Wow. That tank's big, right? And that fuel's heavy. Is that the one on both sides? You have those big... Yeah, you always have tanks on both sides. But some are, are you know, real bigger than others. Some some trucks can, can literally go across the country. Do they always have the same kind of engine? Oh, no, there's big variants in different motors. and okay. but, but they're always achieving tr- typically the same mileage because, you know, the cost is, is very competitive. Mm. Running cost of, of any commercial fleet equipment you know it's very competitive yeah 
So, it, but it depends too the situation. Like, are you in the bush? Or are you on the highway? Mm. You know, like around here, there's a lot of bush trucks, and uh, the type of power and whatnot needed is much different yeah. than what you would get on the highway. The type of build, mm. you'll you'll see some Western stars. You'll see, you know, uh, some bush trucks around here that that typically don't make a lot of highway trucks. You won't you won't see a lot of Volvo bush trucks. Yeah, you know, so it, it they they all have their segments. That they excel in, you know. How do you like the design from Europe? Because the, are you familiar with the trucks? How they look over in Europe? Oh yeah, I follow worldwide trucking. Scandia is Scandia is world's largest truck manufacturer, and they do some very interesting things. The cabovers are interesting. I've do, you, do you know why they built them like this? With Where the flat front? Yeah. Do you know why? Well, from driving them, I'd say it's so you can get in and out of a lot of small places and tight towns and loading docks. Like I used to okay. drive indoor into barns. Yeah. Uh, with the produce, that's a good point. And absolutely, the, the just the versatility. Uh, the story goes though mm. that uh, they made this law: your truck cannot be longer than this. Oh, okay. And then they were like, "Well, then we just make the truck shorter." Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, like length is is important because it's all about cargo space. So, you know, if you can uh, squeeze more cargo in mm. and push the driver over the motor, so be it, right? Yeah. That, that's that's terrific. I think in Germany, they're only allowed to go 80 clicks, even though if the speed limit is 100 or 120. I was very disappointed when I saw them raise the limit for trucks in Canada, you know, because uh, the fuel efficiency drops significantly from 100 to 110. Okay. Plus the braking distance uh, is increased tremendously. Like by how much? Well, it depends, of course, on the truck and whatnot, but but a lot, significantly, like from 100 to 110, going that extra speed takes a significant amount of force to slow that truck. I would rather see them go slower. Mm. I just... Uh, it's massive. It's a lot of extra fuel they're burning. It's a lot of extra deaths they're causing, yeah. you know, and, and for the sake of, you know, just uh, efficiency of speed, not not fuel... You're burning more fuel. Compared to the Ninja, right? You said mm -hmm. you felt in control of what you were able to control. Mm -hmm. Now, driving a big truck, mm -hmm. was it the same way? Yeah, same you thing. You know, even more so because you have to know your truck and your load very well. Yeah. You're responsible. So you have to know that it's secured, the load. Yes. That your truck's in good shape. You've done a walk around. You know, you, you've checked everything carefully. You do that often in a truck. Mm. You know, you... You really do have to pay much more attention in a in a big truck like and in a fast motorcycle yeah. than you do in your average car just going to the grocery store, you know. But uh when when you do those things, yeah, you, you do have a, a sense of, of uh well you've done what you can do. Like uh, eliminated the risks. Like mm -hmm. I did what I could do, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, eliminated the risks. Yeah. Don't take out safe equipment. Like, this is another lesson. I, I'm not all that bright sometimes. I need to learn my lessons the hard way. Mm, we all do. Right? And and so one of the lessons I learned the hard way was my fingers. Oh, so no. I lost these in, a, in an accident uh, on a farm. So I'd rented um, this uh, little farm outside of Winnipeg. Okay. And it came with a riding mower. So the riding mower was at a shop being repaired when I rented the house. Yeah. So I, I phoned the landlord. He said, yeah, go, go pick it up. So I phoned the shop. They said, yeah, it's ready to go. So I went down, I picked it up. Mechanic just gave me the, the unit mm. and said, you know, it's fine. Landlord's got the bill. Okay. So I took it home, 
took it out of the truck. I started cutting the grass. And uh, as I came up to the ditch, I went to turn the wheel, but it was jammed. The steering wouldn't turn. So I went to hit the brake and there was no brakes. No. And so it it caught the edge of the ditch and it threw me to the bottom. It was like a 14 foot deep, super steep ditch. So I hit the bottom of the ditch. And when I turn around, I see the the machine was tumbling down the hill, still running towards me. And I stuck my hand out right into the blades ah. and uh it, but within a force that it, it created the machine rolling over onto onto uh, the other onto its seat the other way and, it, and i was able to scramble out of the ditch and and go to the hospital did you notice right away something happened oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i witnessed my fingers going into those blades is, is a, okay. uh, uh something i you know, couldn't couldn't get out of my mind for years mm. i had this interesting post-traumatic stress disorder from that accident you did yeah absolutely and uh used to get these vivid flashbacks of the accident that would occur like just randomly like the day during the day at at night whenever it was was really really uh unnerving do you do you feel like you got lucky oh absolutely oh you know i honestly i feel lucky every day that's one of the things that that helps keep me uh, saying <laughs> moving forward is gratitude, you know. In the moment when things happen, and like you as a, you and me as a human being, I have a story where I I was at home and the wood stove was on, and um, I lost balance in front of it. Just like shit happens, mm-hmm. and I put my hand on it, mm-hmm. and it just slid. Mm-hmm. And you know, I in that moment I knew I was in trouble, <laughs> but like nothing compared to you. Okay, mm-hmm. and then. It's just like I looked at it and I was like, "Yeah, I'm in trouble." But and then in, and then there's people who control me in those situations. They can take control, mm-hmm. maybe, or they, of course, some things happen to me in the body. How was that for you? Did you, if you want to talk about this? Oh yeah, I know it was very interesting. Um, I did quite well. <laughs> I did, you know. I um, what did you do? So at the time, the uh, the farmyard. Uh, road was locked with a gate and a padlock and uh so <laughs> so i had to run to the farmhouse it you, was about a quarter mile away okay did you bind it up first or nothing? no i had nothing at, at first but when i got to the farmhouse then i put a, a towel around my hand okay. and i grabbed my truck keys and yeah. and i had that truck of the camper and i also had a pathfinder uh-huh. well my truck with the camper had that great big camper on it and i didn't want to take it it was an automatic my pathfinder was a standard because you would shift you would shift with that hand wouldn't you? well i would sh- i shift with the right but uh-huh. i couldn't hang on to the wheel and shift at the same time yeah. i'd live way out these gravel roads oh, so boy. I, was, i was driving these gravel roads shifting and driving with one hand kind of steadying the the wheel with my knee wow. of my right leg you know, while I was clutching with there. the left and hmm? there was nobody there. No, I was by myself. Actually, I had my dog with me and I had to get him and corral him and put him in the truck because I was afraid of, of, uh, how long I'd be gone, yeah. you know? So when I got to the hospital, a friend came and he took my truck and my dog back yeah. to my house. Did you think about like collecting the, the fingertips at all? No, you know what? It was the lawnmower blade is, is pitched at an angle. Okay. So it doesn't it doesn't like cut the grass so much as it it tears it off and shoots it up, uh, right? So they were rendered off. Okay. So they, they so there like wasn't really, cut? yeah, it was a very rough cut. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah. So they just did what they could to to keep what I had, and and uh, both twelve hours of surgery. Wow. And you're sitting awake that whole time. Oh no! As the doctors are working on your hands, <laughs> that was a, a wild experience. Wow. At one point, the doctor uh, said, "I'm going to have to go get some bigger tools." You've got some very strong finger bones. I'm gonna, and he came back with these huge shears oh. to, to trim my, my bones with. Yeah. And uh, and I'm really happy that the job they did was fantastic. That's you know, good. like I say, two doctors, 12 hours. Yeah. yeah and, uh, and they got you right away, right? Oh, well, yeah. You can't wait on something like that, you know. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. But with the the next serious accident I had that really changed my life was that back injury. When I fell off that truck uh, and broke my back, I didn't get immediate attention. I I suffered for months uh, before I had an MRI and surgery and and whatnot. I'd suffered. How come? Uh, you know, the healthcare system here and the way they treat injuries and WCB, it's it's a complicated mess. Mm. And my injury was compounded by my my physical condition okay at the time i was i was over 300 pounds wow i was very very heavy i don't believe it yeah yeah i was really? over, yeah you? yeah mm-hmm. wow. over 300 pounds i was about 315 320 pounds uh smoked two packs a day Ooh. back then i used to smoke constantly yeah and uh, i wasn't in good shape and i think that really hindered my ability to recover that, that from the back injury because now i've been living with that the subsequent uh you know delay yeah well it's just uh, once you have surgery it's irreversible uh-huh. i think if, if i would have been in good shape when i'd had that fall i, I might have been able to recover okay. much better much quicker maybe even without surgery but uh, you know because my own my own health was was so compromised you know and that's that's a very topical conversation really now with covid mm. because they say you know with with the the conditions physical conditions people are in can really exacerbate that illness you know being overweight being a smoker being diabetic being all these other things it's weird so you know i'm glad i made those life changes when i did because so after that fall and after the surgery my surgeon really he was really great like at at helping me lose the weight telling me i had to make some changes Mm. and uh, how did that work did he like that he poked me in the stomach and told me I was fat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because yeah. people work differently, right? Yeah, Some yeah. people are they work with positive um, encouragement. Yeah, other people work with. I needed to be fat shamed. Okay, <laughs> so it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. I'm not telling people to do that to loved ones who who they worried about mm-hmm. who need to lose weight. My doctor was very blunt. He didn't have much of a bedside manner. And he probably felt that I needed to hear it that way. Yeah. Was he older? Yeah. Yeah. He was an older guy. He was in great shape too. He was just in amazing shape. Usually doctors are, eh? Guys like that. He's a neurosurgeon, right? So his health is important to him. Mm. So, you know, as opposed to my family doctor who's way overweight and eats terrible fast food and, and always seems to be... You know, just not with it. Mm. And uh, what did they do to your back? Then did they like did they open it up? Yeah, from the back and removed uh, some of the the herniated discs and a piece of the bone, okay. and and so now I have less movement. They were going to fuse it, mm. but because of my age, they really wanted to give it a shot with this first surgery before yeah. they went the full blown. I think uh, that's good. Yeah, I'm really glad they. they I th- 
I think I'm fusing sometimes it seizes up, eh? Fusing I, can I, be terrible, yeah. I heard bad things. Mm -hmm, like there's mm -hmm. this bodybuilder and he's like his whole back is fused together. Was he on Joe Rogan? Yeah, he yeah, was. I, I watched that show. It was a really yeah, good I one know, of him. I know, I know. It's unbelievable how his body suffered through what he did. Some people's ability to endure pain is just phenomenal. Some people can can put their bodies through tremendous abuse. Um, you know, and I I feel I've done my share. <laughs> yeah, in the way you did, right? You did that trucking. How yeah. long did you do that? Quite, quite a few years. Uh, I think that was part of the problem too. You know, part of the problem with a lot of the jobs we're, we're doing these days is, is not enough uh, consideration goes into the health of the worker. Yep. And it's all left up to you. You know what I mean? Like my diet uh, was terrible. You know, where do you, where do you get good, healthy food when you're on the road as a truck driver? Back then too, right? Maybe oh, today's a little bit different. No, actually, no you know, now with COVID and restrictions on where trucks can go and, and places, it's really difficult. It's worse even, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to hit a grocery store with a truck and trailer when you're working. Mm. If it's on your route, like when I hauled to Safeway, well, I'm going to a grocery store. It was different, but yeah. You know, it, it's uh, challenging to maintain your health in some of these working environments. Sitting too long is a great example. So I was telling you earlier before the show started that I use a standing desk. Mm. So I've used a standing. I was the first person in my college to to request and require a standing desk. And they accommodated me at River College in Winnipeg. Very nice. It was fantastic. And, you know, by the end of the semesters uh, being there, I had a number of students that were standing at the back of the class with me yep. who said it just was better for them. Yeah. And I I thought that was fantastic and and it's really been growing that was in that was in uh, 2011 yeah you can get those ones that race um like even you do it manually sure or you have a push button right too because then it, you can alternate i i've built my own and, and it's custom of to course me. you did yeah, of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is there you can't do uh you know it, it's uh whatever you you think you can or think you can't you're probably right yeah. you know so a little bit of, of confidence It goes a long way. Now, after that accident, you got that surgery done. You This is like life-changing events. Mm -hmm. And then you, your doctor poked you and said, man, Bryce, what the heck are you doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you just, you took that to your heart. Absolutely. Well, he'd put in all this hard work and he'd really given me a, a chance to, you know, have a, a life much like I used to have, you know, energetic person, you know, able to do things. And uh, all those months laying in a bed mm. in pain really gave me time to... How long were you out for? So the accident happened in November. I didn't get surgery till the following October. Oh. So it was, it was almost a year. They tried therapies and things on me, but nothing was working. Okay. And it was, it was actually getting worse. Mm. And so, you know, again, all those months without the, moving much... Yeah. And those muscles, muscles atrophy. Yes. So yeah, my recovery was was tough, but with the focus of, of also losing the weight, mm. it uh, it made it much more of a a mission, and I really got serious about it. Yeah. Did you have support from somebody, or did you like? This is a big challenge, right? It was. It was like nobody got in my way. I didn't really have saboteurs. You know, I had a girlfriend at the time who uh, was really respectful mm. of of my dietary. You know, uh, you restrictions. And did you switch it one day to another? You said, okay, that's it. So actually, yeah, another bit of support that was fantastic was my, my dad uh, gave me some men's health books. Okay. And I just nice. basically went by the book. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I realized that my diet was poor, mm. that I was eating too much. I was eating the wrong things. Yep. So I just 
changed my diet, took it right out of the book and, uh, the weight started just coming off and, Mm -hmm. you know, then I had my energy back and, and then I was able to exercise and I, I got really fit at one point when I was going to college, I I was in tremendous shape. Cardio came back. Now I haven't smoked in 10 years and and my lungs are terrific. Did you have a hard time quitting smoking? No, you know, I was done with it at that point. I'd smoked for 25 years. I'd started as a young kid and I just always been gripped with that addiction. And it was really just time. I was turkey. No, I I used a drug called Champex. Okay. Uh, You take a pill and you do that for a short while and then you quit. Okay. And it's uh, supposed to block uh, the inhibitors Mm -hmm. for the nicotine in your brain. And it worked? You know what? Yeah, because of my desire, I think, to want to quit so badly, yeah. um, I did. And uh, yeah, that was in 2010. So it's beautiful. Yeah, I've really... And, and so another interesting thing, I just recently quit, which was actually almost as hard, was coffee. Coffee, yeah. So I've always been addicted. To, <laughs> I saw your post the other day about you wanting your coffee maker yeah, yeah, and yeah. to get your coffee in your first thing. It is. So I'll it's tell you, I started drinking coffee as a very young person. Yeah. And I was heavily addicted as a truck driver. You can imagine yeah. at times how much coffee I would drink. Uh, I even got into the energy drinks. Okay. And then when I started going back to school and trying to study and focus, I found uh, I had to cut it back. Mm. The caffeine wasn't me allow, allowing me to focus. Okay. So then uh, this time it was a different reason. It was cost. So I had become so hooked on some local coffee here <laughs> roasted in town. <laughs> I was spending a f- small fortune yes. on coffee. It can happen. And uh, I was just habitually making, you know, bottom after bottom of, of delicious coffee mm. and drinking that with some fresh dairy cream. Yes. And uh, I just thought, you know, I can't afford this, mm. you know, and I, I really got to dial back yep. on my expenses. So the first thing to go was the car. And because of the pandemic and the isolation, I had no one around me to yell at. Yeah. <laughs> so, Did you get well, a much nice uh, migraine or? I had, I had the worst headaches. I was irritable. I had <laughs> headaches. It was, it was terrible. Yes. It was, like I say, it was harder than physically harder than quitting smoking. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't had a coffee now in, in over four months. That's that's good. And uh, yeah, I feel that's, great. That's really good. I didn't realize how much, because I'd been drinking coffee my whole life, how much it played on my nervous system. And you know, all the all the years of drinking so much coffee and, and people say, oh, I can't drink caffeine. I'd laugh. I can't drink caffeine. You know, caffeine's wonderful. What, uh, what, what could you possibly see as a negative effect? But now that I haven't had any for so long, I really do see it as a very right. big influence in your mood and uh, whatnot. So it's a powerful drug. You want to elaborate a little bit? Like, what do you mean personally? What changed for you mentally with that? You mean? Well, are you more focused, more calm? More calm for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You don't. Uh, you what else? Like, you don't feel as much tired. Maybe you need the next. Oh, more coffee. tired. I'm definitely more tired. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, and I used to never take a nap. I would just take a cup of coffee. Ah. Um, but, you know, um, another thing I've done uh, recently is really dialed in my sleep. Okay. I, How that, much sleep do you get? I, I go to bed at 9.30 every Thanks. night. Because that's why I asked you if we could do the show a little early. this earlier today, please? <laughs> go to bed at 9.30. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I get up at 4.30. You get it up. Oh, and I don't use an alarm clock. I haven't used an alarm clock in, in years because I don't need one if I get up at five. If my body needs the extra sleep and I sleep a little longer, it's okay. Yeah. How does that work? 
you set your mind to wake up at 4 30 no it? it just happens it just i just get up uh roughly at the same time every morning okay it's so your natural circadian rhythms are fascinating so i've studied this a lot okay being a truck driver and and a shift worker and and having all these physical problems throughout my life i've, I've thought what you know mental issues around sleep and and whatnot i thought i gotta study this mm. so i have quite a bit and that that's what led me to this regime i'm on now so you know by limiting you know uh blue light things like that screens before bed yeah, uh you know energetic content even so your brain isn't racing on things i, I try not to get too involved in anything heavy mm. you know mentally does that, does that before bed no conversations no that books? are no, not if it's not if it's like very deep thought provoking stuff. Not okay. at that time. I read those in the morning uh, okay. when I'm fresh. And I love I love that sort of content in the morning, and that helps you to have a better sleep. Absolutely, okay. I, I I sleep quite well unless unless it's pain, physical pain that mm. that tends to wake me sometimes. Yeah. Um, I sleep very well. So you go bed. You go. When do you shut down? When you and you say you go to bed at nine thirty. When when I'm tired, like you eat dinner at six. Yeah, yeah, around six, and then you just like okay, uh, like eight. 30. By nine thirty, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm no, on I my feet that. all day because I I don't sit any well, longer either. So I'm very active throughout the day. I'm doing stuff all day. I'm on my feet all day, right? It's from four thirty. So I have my sauna in yeah. the morning. Okay, and uh, let's talk about the morning first. Yeah, <laughs> the the morning is so four thirty. My favorite time. You just wake up. Yeah, get up four thirty. I don't use alarm clock. Outside. Yeah, yeah. You, but you know it's four thirty. How do yeah. you know it's four thirty? I'll look at my my phone is on silent, but it just has the clock. Okay, so I'll I'll reach over and I'll check my phone. Yeah, does it ever happen you reach over and it's like two thirty? Like, yeah, oh. for sure, two thirty, three thirty, and <laughs> and often I can go back to bed. Okay, you know, unless it's like a, like a pain. Yeah. Something I feel I need to work out. I need to stretch. I, I can't go back to bed. Then I will get up. Understood. You know, but because it's not, it, it's not uh, something I, I overly concern myself about. I don't use alarm clocks. Mm -hmm. You do I, it just by what your body needs. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I If I could do it, I would. I, I find if I have a regular schedule and I have a certain time, I always get up. I find myself on a Saturday or Sunday, I wake up at the same time. Oh, absolutely. I do this seven days a week. Yeah. I don't I don't mess around with uh, yeah. jumping the time around at all. That's why I chose such a early bedtime because I, it's easier for me to make sure I can go to bed by 930 mm. than, uh, than getting up at 430 is easy. Yeah. And if it has to be a little bit later, that's fine too. And I don't need an alarm clock. See, jerking yourself out of sleep at the wrong period in your circadian rhythm can be yes. quite damaging yes so so you don't want to wake you know in the wrong stage of sleep if you can help it yes so, so naturally waking up your body just naturally like feeling like okay it's time i've had enough rest i'm gonna get up now mm -mm. that's how my body wakes up these days and okay i find that much more enjoyable than being jerked out of a bed by an alarm i used to have to do that trucking i had to set three alarms in the truck you know and <laughs> <laughs> just terrible snooze snooze trying to get yourself up sometimes when you're in that and that's how you notice that sometimes and you're trying to get up and it's hard yeah. it's probably because the the mode of sleep you're in doesn't work it's just yeah you were paralyzed yeah. a second ago so true right it's good that you highlight that mm -hmm. 4 30 boom you wake up yeah yeah you get up S sauna right away not right away i stretch Okay. Uh, you know, relax, have a glass of water, start maybe listening to, uh, apple cider something. vinegar in there. 
kombucha 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 right bit of kombucha uh in the sauna i usually take a glass in there with me and lots of water i drink lots of water Mm -hmm. so yeah do the sauna and then i do a cold shower yeah you built this you built this i did a plunge tank yeah uh yeah and uh i enjoy that but uh often i'll just shower with the cold water it's like on like is it when you cold shower is it like all the way on cold yeah it's like how long did it take you to be comfortable I'm well, I'm never comfortable with it, but I've always done it. <laughs> I don't mess around with it. Yeah, okay. no. I so just, you don't go like oh medium hot and then you slowly turn it lower. I'll tell you the first time I I remember jumping into a really cold body of water. Mm-hmm. I was uh, on Vancouver Island. I was with a friend of mine. It was really hot summer day, Ooh. and uh, I saw these kids jumping off a bridge into a river. Yeah. And we were driving by and I said, oh, it looks so good. Uh, we should stop. And my friend said, I'm not jumping off a bridge. You're crazy. How high was it? It wasn't super high. And these kids were doing it. Local teens or whatever were doing it. So yeah. I knew it was safe because okay. right? they were doing it. So yeah. we went and did our thing. And on the way back, the kids were gone. But I convinced my friend to stop. And uh, so I, I go to the edge and I jump. And when I hit the water, I realized, wow. It's a glacier river <laughs> that's running right out of the mountains. It is freezing. Ooh. I had a really hard time surfacing, pulling my arms from my body mm-hmm. and, and coming to the top. It was... It's like a shock. Oh, but it felt so good after. You feel awake. Ah, you feel exhilarated yes. and, you, and you warm up quickly and you feel just amazing. So last fall, Tracy and Gavin, yeah. uh, they invited me and a friend. Uh, I've seen pictures. Yeah, yeah we went. We killer too. Yeah, for sure. He didn't jump in. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't throw him in the, in the river. Okay. But uh, we had a great time. And uh, yeah, I've really got hooked. They hooked me in yes. with that. And then ever since last fall, I've been cold showering every day. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. It's like, just it's like, just one of those things. Now, how do you it's breathe you, e- easily? Now, I I don't just like sh- normal. No, I don't struggle at all anymore. Okay, I practice Wim Hof breathing method a lot too. You know, Wim Hof, the Ice Man, yeah, he's, yeah. he holds a lot of world records, mm-hmm. and he teaches uh, Tomo breathing. So it's like a type of of meditative breathing. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of uh, Buddhists do the same sort of thing. A lot people in general, you know, before all of this climatized, you know, vehicles and homes and and spaces, you know, you would have to have a way to warm yourself up. Mm-hmm. It would be a breathing technique. Okay, most people would know. So that's possible. It is absolutely. I use it all the time. Okay, um, I don't dress warm typically. You know, throughout the season, I I just dress very lightly. So you use the guy who dry, who has shorts on in the winter? I can, you know, it doesn't bother me. I I I think that if you expose yourself mm. to some of these things, it's very good. Yeah. Is that mentally, mentally and breathing, or how does that work? Well, concentrating on your breathing is a mental exercise. Okay. Right. So just being able to concentrate on your breath and keep your concentration on your breath for some time took me a while. Yeah. You know, but I've been practicing meditation for so how long some is time. how long is the shower then? Well, the shower isn't typically long. You know, uh, shampoo. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't have any hair, <laughs> so I don't need shampoo. Here, but I you, use soap. You, yeah, and, soap and I, I hang out in there for a bit. And I, I soap and whatnot. Oh, so you don't time it? You just like no. I do it until I'm I'm clean and I, yeah. I need to come out and. Um, But after the sauna too, it's it's different. It's not like I've cold showered without the sauna. Mm. That's a little more challenging, uh-huh. right? Why is that? 
I don't know. There's something about going from the heat to the cold that's refreshing. It feels like good. It's like you're because you're so hot. You need that. You're you're desiring. So like my friend uh, has a a lake a camp. Yeah, and we get really hot in the sauna, and you run jump in the lake. Best in the spring and the fall when it's really cold, but it doesn't feel cold. You know what I mean? When you hit that cold water, it, it just feels exhilarating. Yeah. It, it feels wonderful. It's almost like you have a resistance in, like a temporary resistance to it. You build that up over time. Like if someone who never uh, gets out of their comfort zone was to try the, these sorts of things immediately, I'm sure they would, you know, just fall over maybe dead, a heart attack. I don't know. But you ease yourself into it, I think, for some people. Yeah. Because you think of the climate most people are accustomed to these days, you know, your home, your car, your workplace, they're, they're all set basically at the same temperature. You know, you're not outside of that comfort zone. Some of the things I've learned about the reasons why I do this is uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She was on uh, Joe Rogan's show okay. and really broke down the science of heat shock proteins mm -hmm. and the cold therapies. And then I started, you know, really thinking about how I felt when I'd experienced these periods of cold and heat. And I thought, yeah, you know, this would really be excellent to have in your routine. So Even when the pandemic happened, I built my own sauna in my shop. Like yeah. I got right on that. I feel it's that val it's that valuable. I seen those pictures you sent me about the sauna. Mm -hmm. I just have like, how do you do? You draw this first up in your mind, or you just no? That yeah. I just threw together with some yeah. scraps I had around my shop. And, yeah. and you had like a how do you call those the stones and the the grill? The, the stones I went and picked up from down by the river. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, I had the had the heater and uh, okay. I burnt out a couple of heaters I've used since then. But you yeah, know, it, as long as it can get good and hot, I got it sealed up, nice insulated, sealed, and and uh, it hits that temperature. What do you do? How high? Uh, it's about one eighty. Okay, it's about one eighty, maybe a little bit more. Do you time the sauna though? Or you just in there also just like I, roughly like my mental clock is is fairly good. Nice. I don't I don't wear a watch. Yeah, you know I I just have a fairly good sense of the time mm. and then how much water I've drank and how I feel. But yeah, it's about forty minutes. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I used to do two sessions like twenty minutes, yeah. but now I just find hanging out in there the whole time is is better. Okay, how come? I don't know. It's more I, time efficient. I think it just gets your core temperature hotter i think yeah. that break in the middle was was cooling me down when okay. i really needed some extra heat and you know if you've been in too long because you'll feel a little queasy yeah. you know like that little like you've had too much heat yes and and so after you've done that a few times you know what your limits are do you sweat a lot like there's people oh, yeah. who sweat mm -hmm. like a waterfall right oh yeah yeah it's pouring off me yeah me too yeah pouring off if me. i go in the sauna with lisa i'm always the first who sweats mm -hmm. It's, but I find I don't sweat as much in normal circumstances as I used to, especially when I was overweight. When uh, I was okay. like really heavy. <laughs> I was sweating all the time, you know. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Is it is there a concern that you lose so much water in, in such a short time for the body at you all? You've got to replenish, that's all. Okay. Yeah, just I, I drink a lot of water. You like then salty food as well? Well, the kimchi. The kimchi. <laughs> I eat kimchi every day. Okay. I just love it. Because you have to get those minerals back in, right? Yes. yes. In, a, salt, in a way. Salt is important. Yeah. Uh, and they're floating maybe a couple times. You know, you, you go and get some salt in your body, potassiums and things like that from the salts. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. Because it's, yeah, you still go float around? Not as often as I'd like, but it's a wonderful thing to do for yourself now and then for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is it really like you just like suspended in the air and you just float? 
I can't believe you're asking. You haven't floated. I have to go. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> you do. I you do. do. I know. I, I've it's sent due. quite a few people down there. I know. It was a gift for me. My sister gave me a, a float um, for my first time. And I'd heard it on Joe Rogan talk about it. Yeah. And uh, But I hadn't experienced it. And uh, I loved it. Okay. Right away, I was I was in love with it. Did you go the ninety minutes full right away. Yeah, yeah. Be- you know, I think because of my past, you know, experience with meditation, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really find that uncomfortable. Okay, and uh, I enjoy it. I I've had a couple experiences in the tank where you truly do feel like a sense of expansive space. Yeah, you know, like like what, what do you mean by that? Like you, you might as well be floating in the ocean or in outer space. Like you're okay. just there. There's like a sense of expansive space around you. I don't feel enclosed. I don't feel confined. I don't feel. Uh, you feel connected. Yeah, to to every. It's a very yeah connected feeling. Okay. To to just like a, like a universal connectedness. Yeah. You're not disconnected. That's what some people think. I think they they think the tank is where you're disconnecting from everything. Yeah. You're disconnecting from the sensations. And the sounds and the inputs. So you can connect more with your inner self. You're, you know, you can hear things in your body. You can hear your your blood flowing if you relax enough. Like it's, you hear oh. your heart beating. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's really wonderful to connect with your body. So I do a, a body scanning method in there of, okay. of just relaxation. You start at the top of your head and you, and you just, you know, Feel your way through your body, relaxing tense muscles. Yeah, and you keep doing this until you're you're very relaxed, mm. and then and then you can get it into some really wonderful places there. Once, yeah. once you're that calm and relaxed, sometimes I can't get there. You know, your body doesn't allow it. Yes. You know, I, I have sometimes too much pain or tension mm-hmm. to allow yourself to really get there. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Do you have the lights on or everything off? Oh, everything off. Yeah, everything music. Off. I actually like to book my float near the end of the day or on a Sunday when the building's quiet too. Because I've noticed a few times if I've gone during the day, if someone runs up and down the stairs in the building, it's you know you can hear that. Okay. And I like to be really, yeah, really enjoying that isolation. Mm-hmm. Do you see things too, like in the meditation thing? No, I can't say it's been very visual, like uh, experiences like that. It's just like more feelings. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's it's not all that visual for me anyway. Some people might have a different experiences with that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, because some people sometimes say uh, they see some, uh, when they relax a lot, they see some kind of stuff moving in front of their eyes, like light, like the light that comes and goes or something. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people have interesting experiences when they get in the tank. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then you, there's this rumor that you have of, uh, what is it called? A float high? Like you, That's like this feeling you get afterwards. That's uh, You feel, you do feel. Uh, yeah, afterwards is interesting, the feeling you get. Because you've just been relaxing all that time. You'd think you'd be very relaxed, mm-hmm. almost sleepy. But, but I don't find that at all. I, I find I'm quite alert. Quite, quite energized. I don't, I don't know if that's from the magnesiums and things in the salts or, yeah. or what. But how does that work for your bedtime then? Well, it does kind of throw it off a bit. Like I yeah. do, I do feel quite energized. It's, it's something again. I, I don't think I would do all the time or often. Again, the cost. If you don't own your own tank, if you're not Joe Rogan, mm. you know, it's, it's a, it's a treat yeah. for me that I enjoy. But uh, again, I'm not, I'm not tied to these schedules uh, by alarms or you know that sort of rigidity 
So if, if I stayed up a little late the night I floated, then I would just wake up a little later the next day. I like that. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. And you also did this special brew for them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I did um, some signature blends for a number of my clients with the kombucha. Yeah. That was something popular in Vancouver, I noticed. I, I looked around at a few float places when I was out there, and they all had kombucha on tap. And I thought, what a great so way nice. to recover, you know? You sit down, now you, you have to get some more fluids in, you have a nice kombucha. So I went to uh, to Tracy and Gavin and mm, said, hey, listen. Yeah, so International House of Tea formulated a unique blend for them, which yeah. they sell in their shop. And uh, then I was making a kombucha from that tea blend. Uh, and uh but you know unfortunately i've had to stop but you know someone might pick it up and mm. continue making that for them like, i can see that that's my hope hey i i thought about it mm-hmm. like your business is very attractive mm-hmm. and then i could just have the kids running around mm-hmm. i don't have to send them to the daycare mm-hmm. I, i actually you know i it actually went through my brain yeah just to think about it like, like i'm not in the position to do it but i'm just like that's like this is an established local business you have a you have a clientele it's like something i believe in Mm -hmm. it's a like it's a good thing so one of the shifts that i couldn't make that needed to happen to continue the business in these new this new business climate is the location okay so as a home-based business you know with lower overhead it would probably work right but i i had a very high overhead location uh, main street you know down on may street i had a big shop it's huge yeah it you're was building good, there it was a good size enormous yeah, yeah. And then you had that truck too yeah well you know i had a secondary building and i had shipping containers at times that i would have to use for storage yeah because you have to have that room right it's it's a quite a bit of space yeah. but uh i think if you were to do that in a, a large garage you know as long as it met all the requirements for the health unit you know, you could do that as a home-based business. Yeah. You know, um, country market took a real hit. Mm. You know, that that's a real... They shut that down, right? Well, Is it's open. It's open. It, no, it was okay. shut down for a while, but the numbers uh, have been really Did you go? Devastated. Are you back there? Were you back there? No, you were done, right? No, yeah. I, I had to pull out. Yeah. They sold my remaining stock at their store, Yeah. and now it's, it's sold out. Um, so we'll see where that goes. If someone's willing to pick that up, it it does have a, a nice local following. Yes, mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic what you you what you made and what you built. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm back to making my own kombucha for myself, small batch style. It's it's wonderful. My my skills have been honed over the past few years, and I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw you posted that picture of the pick roast at the at the farmers market. Yeah, that's nice. So you know they're they're starting to come back the the vendors and the customers. You know, uh, I think a lot of people feel that they're doing what they can to make everybody safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the problem is until those restrictions are gone, those sorts of fun family places are, are going to suffer yeah you know until people are comfortable mingling around together you know what it was like i met you there it was a real party right it's on beautiful. a saturday morning yeah you know kids running around you know yeah. people gathering you know enjoying each other's company is a wonderful thing you get your coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely i drank <laughs> i never drank more cups and you know when i work there it's so delicious yeah too. absolutely no i like that very much mm-hmm. i i do hope it survives it will I hope so. Yeah, local yeah. is big in Thunder Bay. 
Yeah, but but there's a lot of challenges, right? Like the overhead. For sure. the, the only reason that made sense was the numbers. Wasn't there like a government support program though? Like, did that work for you? I guess oh. didn't they have like something like for people they had the SERP, right? And yeah. for companies they would give out loans. Isn't that correctly? Yeah. So I could have could have gotten a loan, mm. but you know that's a big risk. Yeah. You know, I I was I was really. A hand-to-mouth business. I don't have a lot of reserves. Okay. So if I had used that money and thrown it at the business and still things had not worked out, perhaps another second shutdown, who knows? But yeah. Right? Nobody knows. And nobody knows. Okay. And so I didn't have the confidence mm -hmm. that I could make it work with that small amount of money. Like $40,000 yes. <laughs> disappears really That's fast. And you, was, have right? to, and you have to use it in a certain way. A lot of people aren't aware of that. Okay. There's $10,000 that's forgivable if you pay it back in, a, in the required amount of time. Which, and if you use the money, well... I can't remember exactly what the timeline was for repayment, but it was it was fairly quick. Mm. So you had that payment, you know, you would have had that monthly payment yeah. to, to make, and um, it puts a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, and then if it doesn't work out, now you're an extra forty thousand in the hole. Yeah, right. Okay, it's just a loan. Yeah, you know, if your business goes under, then you have to repay that. You're still responsible for it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. can see that. So it was it was a little too much risk for me. I, I really couldn't uh, couldn't see a way to make that work. But I'm hoping that restarting the business with all of these new things in mind, your packaging, your distribution, your location of production. If if you have if you build a pandemic proof, yeah, like if you build a business now in the time of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. well you'll be fine you have the inside right yeah you have your online sales distribution systems and yeah. whatnot and, and everything would be okay yeah. but the way i was doing it sampling products at the market um you know uh, everything was on the tap yeah i'm very environmental conscious person uh, so that's boy. why i reuse all the packaging reuse all the bottles reuse yeah. the kegs Now people aren't comfortable so much with reusing packaging these days. It's gone more to the single use again, and yeah. very disappointing to me yeah, to see that. That's tough. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. really tough. Yeah. Were you able? To, did you have an online presence? Not really. I, I had. A, I have a website, and uh, I could have, you know, got a store yeah. happening fairly quickly. Mm. But uh, but just having a store, then you got to drive the traffic there, right? You know, the the website that you build is only as good as the people you can attract to it. Yeah. And you're the kind of man who is like, you, you interact with people while you see them, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, I don't have a lot of experience on the, the digital side of things. I had a, a wonderful friend of mine. Uh, she did the, the Instagram for me. Yep. And so, uh, without that, that sort of support, mm -hmm. yeah, I would have had a hard time running an online business. I can see that. I mean, but this is your you, your your character. When I first mm -hmm. met you, you were just I felt like connected to you mm -hmm. because you 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 get those connections. You create those connections to the people that come to you. Mm -hmm. That's just the way you work. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I like connecting with people. That's why I'm hoping that you know, move to BC and starting something new, connecting with people in a business that I I enjoy, whether it be kombucha or tiny homes. Yeah. You know, I think that would be a very rewarding job for me to, to get into affordable housing. Mm -hmm. I see such a major problem right now with the, the elderly uh, homes, yeah. homes for the elderly here. You know, you look at the, the problems with contagion in these places. Now, 
there's these um, programs, granny suites. Okay. Some backyard housing. Yeah. So they put small, uh, roughly 400 square foot dwellings in an existing backyard of a property. Okay. So this is a way to densify neighborhoods to create uh, affordable housing for people like seniors. There used to be a government-supported program decades ago Mm. to have this done. Like, where is that happening? Well, so there's a group here in the city um, led by uh, a number of people. Ian Angus is is on the team. Uh, Ogden Simpson Street area. Okay. They've got a number of participants, uh, about a dozen or so participants nice. that, that want these tiny homes in their in their properties. So, yeah, just think about that. You wouldn't have to have a mortgage payment every two or once a month for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. How much is a little tiny house? So uh, variable prices, of course, right? But you can do it for as little as. Oh, 30,000, 35,000. How big is that then? Just 400 square feet, okay. you know, like like a double car garage, yeah. you know. But is that like the C-can? It can be. You can use C-cans for is, that. Is yeah. a C-can 400 square feet? I'm not, just trying to not picture quite. this. Not quite. They, they come up to 53 feet long and 8 feet wide. So okay. that that's close. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. very close. And then you put them together. You can join a yeah. couple containers together. I've seen that. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. And it's just hard to hear. Is it hard here? Like my perception, it would be like, oh, our climate, blah, blah, blah. No, they're they're actually very tight. They're they're too tight. So getting uh, proper air circulation is one of the challenges, mm. right? To not have uh, humidity levels build up. So, okay. you know, having a, that sort of ventilation is important. But no, insulating today is... is uh, Easy? Oh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Some amazing materials out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying, when I when I turned my fifty uh, three foot trailer into a home, it came insulated with insulated walls, and then I added a foil, and then strapped that out with some paneling over top, which, which yeah. was with an airspace to increase the efficiency. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was just incredible. My bills were next to nothing. Wow. So you know, homes can be built very efficiently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just the way of life, I guess. Well, you know, a lot of older people are, are having to downsize anyway when they go into some of these homes or aren't allowed to have much of their own personal stuff or, or personality to it. So I see this as a, a much greater option for many people to retain some of their personal belongings and, and personality, you know. Yeah, plus you have like, I guess you would be a neighbor mm-hmm. where there's a community. Well, see, and that's something else I find is, is really being stripped away these days is, is a sense of community. Yeah. You know, more and more of us stay in our homes. We watch our own TVs. We don't go out, you know, to as many events, especially now the pandemic's here. You see that really being really uh, exacerbated, these problems, right? Like one thing, I, I'm not a religious person by, by any means. You know, I, I don't uh, prescribe to, to organize religions, but I love going to church just for the community. Okay, You know, if you're going to gather like that, the whole community rich poor it's everybody together yeah it's wonderful it, you know it brings people together in a community it's yeah. it's important so a lot of those things are going away it's going to be harder for us to do that yeah it's, it's like sundays they go all together but is that what you mean and you mm-hmm. see your neighbors and everybody yeah. hey i was bob yeah yeah oh, uh, yeah just that know. community coming together yeah it's something i see less and less of all the time mm. i just heard of a, a book i i think i should probably read called bowling alone <laughs> about people just and how they're becoming so disconnected from community. Yeah, how how come it, you think that is? Is that because of technology? It's a lot of things, right? Like, look at the fear. 
Look at the fear of uh, contagion of other people. Okay, that's right? specifically for COVID now. Right, sure. But I think there was, like, deep down before, there was already an issue. People are annoying. People are annoying. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sometimes it's easier just to turn away and to not be bothered in the short run. You might see that as an advantage, I think. You know, we're seeing that in... In Parliament right now, right? We've got <laughs> no, no politics. You know, some people that don't want to be seen or, or see other people. And I, I, I don't mean, like that. I, I think we should be connecting. What is that? What do you think life is about? Where like life is not about you, but life is about engaging with other people. Oh, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. hundred percent. I see it the same way. Hundred percent. Like the deeper meaning of life is us, everybody, us working together. Hmm. My dad's philosophy on life is a life of service. Okay. You know, he's he's dedicated his life to serving his community, mm -hmm. and I, I find uh, that very inspirational. You know, and I, I try. It's tough. Some people are much more giving, able to give. Yeah. Right. And and but I, I do what I can. Yeah. You know? For sure. Any anything counts. Mm -hmm. You don't have to give money. Even if you give time. time you give time. Yeah. There's so many organizations that, yeah. that I would love to volunteer with. Now that I might have some more time, I, I always wanted to uh, help the guys out at Habitat for Humanity. I shop there all the time, right? Yeah. But I, I hadn't volunteered there. So, you know, an organization like that, hopefully when I, I have some more time, uh, once I get these aspects of my life wrapped up, you know, yes. it'll be nice. I, I agree. Mm -hmm. It's good to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's not because... There's a reward or anything. It's just because it's it's feels like for me it's the right thing to do. That's the reward. Yeah, that's the reward. That that's the the personal reward you get from it is the good feeling you get by okay. helping others. It is a selfish act helping others, right? In that sense that you you are rewarded. Okay, you are rewarded for helping others, I even guess. if they don't say so. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, you did a good thing. Yes, but because you just do it. Right? Yeah. You're not doing it because you want that person to say thank you. No, no, you do. Anonymously is my favorite. When I see people giving without any, mm. you know, acknowledgement of, of, of their time or effort, I think that's just so admirable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, I want to bring you back to you where the day mm. is. You, you did the sauna for 40 minutes. You mm -hmm. jump into the ice cold shower mm -hmm. and then... I walk the dog. You walk the dog. Yeah, walk the dog. I don't. I don't put headphones in. I don't uh, distract myself. I have a beautiful park near my place, where I walk by the river. Okay, the Kaministiqua River is yeah. right there. The rowing club. Nice. That beautiful park, and I, I walk my dog through the park, and, and I start my day. Eating at all in the morning or no? No, I don't typically start till a little bit later than I eat because I do. It's it's a bit of a restricted eating window right mm. so i'll eat you know maybe a bowl of oatmeal around 10 or, or a couple eggs nice in the morning yep. uh, some kimchi and that then goes good together with the eggs, the eggs yeah on yeah. a wrap uh kimchi wrap with a couple eggs is my favorite <laughs> oh, that's so good yeah and uh then for lunch uh you know something light and and then like a rice and kimchi something for dinner and yeah Ate a lot of kimchi. That's good. It's, yeah. It's supposedly really healthy stuff. It is. It's amazing. I hope you like the, the jar I've hey, uh, gifted. I appreciate it. I have the most incredible friend. Her name's Ku, and she creates the kimchi for me. Mm. They're from Vietnam. She's a master chef. Everything she creates is incredible. Wow. But the kimchis are, are really, truly amazing. Okay. Like the best? 
the best I've ever had. I, I'm not Korean. I haven't been to Korea. I'm sure, you know, some people have, have sampled far more kimchi's, but yeah. I just love it. No, I, I saw the colors in it <laughs> when you gave it to me yeah. before here we started recording. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I will let you I, know. I love it. I probably try it out of eggs. It's a very complex uh, <laughs> dish. You know, there's a lot of flavors going on in there. It's complicated to do too. It, it takes is. so much time. It is. Yeah, we we had arranged some classes. Uh, my friend Ku was going to teach mm. kimchi classes, but now with the pandemic, and it's not possible. Either. No, no, and you can't do that online. You could. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get a chance to do it together online mm. or not, but it sure would be great if yeah. someone could capture her recipe and, and put it out there because I've I've watched a lot of recipes online of kimchi and they leave a lot of things out. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I will have to look into it. Mm-hmm. I'm not the expert on it, but yeah. I know it's good for you. Fermented foods. Yeah. Sauerkraut. Fermented yeah. cabbage. Very powerful. Yeah. Is there a lot of vitamin C in there too, then? Oh, I don't so much C. Okay. Um, there's a lot of lot of vegetables, so you know you, you do get a nice blend of of different vitamins. Yeah, diversity what, is important. Okay, that's what they did with the sauerkraut, right? When they did those long boat rides from old Europe to wherever they went, they they if they wouldn't have the sauerkraut on there, they would get uh, the disease where the, your teeth fall out. Oh yeah, scabut um, or is that whatever it's called, scabut. Oh, uh, scurvy. Scurvy, yeah. Scurvy, yeah. So, yeah, like just, I find that it's a good part of the diet to have these days, especially trying to watch my weight and, and trying to be healthy. Mm. Um, getting all those vegetables in, in such an interesting... So, yeah, you mentioned bringing it over on a boat. A wonderful thing about kombucha, mm. kimchi, and a lot of these things is they're, they're all pre-refrigeration. Right, so these are preserved foods that often don't need refrigeration. Ah, that's what you mean, yeah. Right, so my kombucha, I never refrigerate. Okay, what I make for myself, it stays out on the counter, and then I drink it. Yeah, you know the the kimchi you have to refrigerate uh because of of the temperature here so in, in korea they would bury pots in the ground yeah right to keep it cooler old school yeah refrigerators. so we could do that here if if i wanted to bury my my pots like a root cellar we have lots of root cellars in thunder bay yeah the old houses don't they all have a cold cold, cold store? room yeah. you bet yeah. oh, you bet for sure it, so that was the common right thing everybody would would have these wonderful fermented foods in their diet and uh and that's been lost you know, when I was a trucker, I never ate a piece of fermented food, right? <laughs> Nothing. I can see that. Yeah. Hey. Packaged food all yeah. is all I ate. Did you try it all to pack your lunches? It was too difficult often because of the duration of time I'd be on the road. If How I'm gone for gone? weeks, then like, no. Like three weeks out and one it's week It's usually back. a couple of weeks uh, gone from this, like uh, mostly ran out of Winnipeg or, or when I lived in the country. I wouldn't see my house very often. Often you would turn around near the depot or wherever you were running to and from. Mm. They they would just send you back out. You know, so yeah, when I was long distance trucking, I I wasn't home much. I wasn't able to pack. I had a fridge in the truck, but most of the stuff was unrefrigerated boxes that I would heat up in a microwave. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It's a hard job. 
Yeah. My mom always wanted to be a trucker because she wanted to see all over Europe. Yeah. And she thought that's the way to do it. But she never did. No, that's that, not the way to do it anyway. You're she, so busy. She uh, had that dream. You know, you're watching the road. You're you're busy. You, you don't get to go where you want or stop. You're, you're on a schedule. Um, I remember the first time I was a passenger through the mountains. It was just breathtaking. I thought, oh my God, I've driven through here so many times. I've never uh, seen these peaks and these... Yeah. The scenery, because I'm watching the road. <laughs> yeah, because you're driving. Yeah, you're driving. I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. When I drive and Lisa's next to me, I don't see everything. No. No, you're watching the road. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever run into a moose encounter? I've never hit a moose. I've come very close. Yeah. I've hit some deer. Um, they just disappear? The deer? Like, I mean, with a big truck, you have those. Did you even feel it? Oh, no. I've, I've uh, never hit anything with a big truck. You wouldn't feel a deer no, I, in a big truck, no. It was just boom. Yeah, it would just bounce off. And, and would you it. feel it as a driver if you wouldn't see it? Or is it just... No, no, probably not. No, you wouldn't even feel it. Wow. Yeah, it, it would just bounce <laughs> off you. You're 80,000 pounds rolling down the road at highway speed. It, it wouldn't even shake the truck. Wow. But a moose would. Yeah. You know, that's it's why like they have the, the big moose bars. You yeah. see those big sets of bars? On I've seen truck? that. You had those on your trucks? A couple trucks I had had those. Did you? Is that a, like a requirement? Or no, is it's just, you know, if, if you don't have one and you hit a moose and your truck isn't going anywhere, mm. you know, but at least if you hit a moose and you have a bar, then you have a good chance of still being able to control the truck. And okay. it could it could really take you out. But the moose wouldn't hit your cabin, cabin right? Well, you're high enough, you wouldn't actually physically get hit by the moose yeah that's what i thought yeah like with a car it's just lands on oh, oh it's done yeah absolutely yeah. yeah okay so the company would decide if they want protection they would put it on mm-hmm. as a driver would you be able to say hey i want this on my truck i was an owner operator for a time and i owned my own truck oh you did uh, yeah then it's your choice you yeah. can put one on your own truck if you like mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's very competitive oh yeah that's a tough game Boy, being in a trucking business these days. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad I'm not uh, in that anymore. Do you think AI was going to just eliminate this? Eventually. Mm. Yeah. Eventually, all those sorts of simple uh, jobs that robots can do will be done by them. Why Why should we put humans at risk? And Yeah. I, it could be a good thing, right? Oh, sure. Eventually. As because long as, as, long as the, the workers that it eliminates are cared for in some yeah. way, right? Like, yeah. you know, a lot of debate right now over uh, the automated tellers. Do you know? You, like, just like ATMs when they came out. Well, they're taking people's bank jobs, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, if it's a simple job that is, is easily done, so simple that a human really should be freed from the shackles of that duty, and to do something more productive and yeah. fulfilling. Like, uh, you know, scanning items at a grocery store, I can scan them. Mm. Soon they'll just scan themselves. Yeah. You know, there's some stores already, you just walk in and you pick your items, you put them in the basket, you walk out, you and they know yeah. what you took, and, and it Amazon. bills you. Sure, yeah. you know, so I, I think it's great to free people from uh, needless tasks mm-hmm. if they can be automated. I'm not a Luddite. You know, I'm not against technology. Yeah. But, but the problem I have is forcing people to do meaningless jobs mm. or turning them out without an alternative. Yeah. Like, you know, just eliminating jobs and then not having jobs. So universal uh, income would be something you think well, is that's reasonable? A, it's a start, yeah. you know, it's a start. But you need social programming, right? You need education you centers. You need you need places to for people to go okay. to, you know, learn trades, to 
be apprenticed mm. to learn a skill you know there's because there still would be jobs that need to be done sure absolutely right? people are creative look at you know, the things you're doing you can't a computer cannot do what you're doing mm-hmm. a computer cannot sit here and have a conversation and ask intelligent questions and run a podcast not yet <laughs> not, not yet. yet not yet, <laughs> not yet. Uh, they would say really weird questions but that's okay Sure, and it, and it could be entertaining for a bit, but it's not going to replace humans, yeah. right, anytime soon. This is the stuff we'll be doing. This is the stuff we should be doing. Mm. We should be free. Yeah, the way you live life right now, even mm. though it's like it's not the way you planned it to be, is there something like this is re- actually it's it's really good for you? Is it in a way? Well, sure. I've made my life beneficial because I feel I have an internal locus of control. Like yeah. I'm in control of my life, the choices I make, the things that I do. Mm-hmm. You have you have a set schedule, you have like you have food, good food, you have mm-hmm. exercise, you mm-hmm. have meditation. Mm-hmm. I have some companionship. I have friends. I have my wonderful dog. We haven't mentioned my wonderful little dog yeah. killer. Yeah, killer's right here. <laughs> so I got him when I was a truck driver and I was lonely. Oh wow. How, right? old, is, how old is Killer? He's twelve years old. Twelve years. Yeah. What's so, what kind of um he's a miniature pincer. Pincer. Yeah. 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 German oh. breed. Okay. Yeah. Ah. So I How got did you come up with the name? Killer? <laughs> <laughs> I bet everybody else said. It suits him. It does. Did He's, you name him right away? You saw him? No, I kicked it around killer. a bit. I, I kicked around. I was going to name him uh, Timbit because I hung out at Tim Hortons on my motorcycle all the time. He yeah. was always with me. And uh, I was going to name him Joey yeah. because he, he was always in my coat with just his head poking out like a little Joey, like a little kangaroo. Nice. But uh, I think it was friends, really, that it helped influence the name Killer. People always call him that. People that don't know him, when they see him, they say, hey, Killer. Okay. You know? Appearance-wise? Yeah. It's just a six-pound dog with a spike collar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But I was really, I was... Um, How did you come to find him? I was driving truck at the time, and a friend of mine, who was also a truck driver, she called me one day and said, I'm down at this place and they have the most incredible puppies you've got to come see these dogs okay miniature pincers i had never heard of a miniature pincer i didn't know what she was talking about and i'd lost my dog he died three years previously so i had that space in my life right i needed something but but being a truck driver i couldn't see fitting a dog into my life is that impossible no well so the uc killer right so then i i go down and i see these dogs and they're tiny okay it's like tiny but they're they're not they're not like what i had thought of when you think of a little dog because i had a big dog my dog was a great dane german shepherd Whoa. mix he was a beast yeah. he, he would run bears up trees like he was he was a real monster That's the kind of dog I, I saw myself with, you know, an Irish wolfhound or something, oh, right? I love those. Yeah, that's, that was the next one on my list. Have you ever seen those? in? Oh, movie? yeah, I, oh. Met, I knew a breeder, yeah. met a breeder. I right. seen one once in Nuremberg in Germany. I went on a trip with my dad, uh-huh. and where we were, and we, where we stayed in the house of the friends, they had an Irish wolf dog. And it's that being was so tall, yeah. and then the fur, and it was so calm. <laughs> but yeah. it looked like... Uh, like wow yeah like it looked like a werewolf walking (laughs) unbelievable yeah so Uh, that's what i thought a dog should be you know 200 pounds right (laughs) like formidable (laughs) opponent like something really manly how come i don't know it's just what i i thought of when i thought of a dog for myself you know 
uh, I like to wrestle with my dog. We used to have a really good time wrestling. Nice. So I, I just like that. I thought that's that would be a fun dog. But then when I saw this little guy, I thought, wow, like the, the mother and father were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were very interesting dogs. They weren't quite what I had expected. And so I, I took actually him and his sister because I couldn't decide. Oh. And I knew if I'd left them, even for a moment, someone would come along Somebody, and take them. Yeah. So I took them both. And I realized right away it was killer that I wanted, and I sold his sister to a friend of mine. Ah, uh, okay. And still and around, both of them? No, they. I lost contact with uh, Hemi was uh, his sister's name. <laughs> <laughs> I lost contact with them. They moved to Montreal years okay. ago. Yeah, yeah, nice city. Yeah, but I bred killer now his entire life. He's been I've been breeding him, uh, so okay. he's got a lot of, of uh, litter. Okay, how does that work? Do you just like find another? same race breed? Uh, breed? not even right no? like because okay. they're all dogs it all works as long as this, they line up <laughs> as long yeah. as the sizes work out do you have the easy kind of deal where you, the other person takes care of the dog oh yeah having the boy is is the best right the having best, the stud yeah. so uh yeah he just shows up and and action has his fun and then uh i get paid okay It's, Like wonderful. afterwards when it's all sold or sometimes it depends. I've had different arrangements over the years. You know, mm. Some people just give me a little cash and, okay. and some people have given me a pick of the litter and yeah. and I've sold the puppies to friends. And, ah, okay. But I always felt bad doing that. So I'd rather just take a bit of cash. So the litters are so small and they're doing all the work. Yeah. I, I felt like I was really taking too much. It's a lot of work to bring up a litter. Yeah. For those yeah. eight, 12 weeks. Yeah. Oh my and, God. And their litters are small, two, three, four dogs. Right. Okay. So. Yeah, I, I do it more for his mental health. My vet, when I got him, said, if you're not going to fix him, you should breed him. Okay. For for his mental health. Nice. And he's a very well-adjusted dog. Yeah, I see that. Mm -hmm. He's so calm. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't think this would be like this. Yeah. Was he always calm? Yeah, yeah. Like, I've always had him in this carrier with me. Like, he, this carrier I have him with today will go on a plane under the seat. Mm -hmm. I've flown with him in, the, in there, oh. traveled with him. How old was he when you got him? Just, uh, you know, seven and a half or eight weeks or so. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, so really, really special. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful bond you form. And, and I found that a lot of that loneliness uh, dissipated, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, you had him on the road. Mm -hmm. How did, yeah. was it, were you independent by then or did you just like... I drove for a company plus I had my own truck. And so I... But I tell you, it was great icebreaker with the customers, especially if I was late with the load. Uh, you know, yeah. they see that cute little dog and, uh, you know, it, it definitely helped. I can see that. Mm -hmm. Did the company say, yeah, no problem? I never had a problem. Uh, sometimes you weren't allowed to bring the dog in to, at, a, at a drop, mm. you know. But, I can but see that. You just wait in the truck. Yep. You know, and I, I stayed within Canada, so I never had any border trouble. Yeah. But but I do know people that travel with their dogs over the border, and they as long as they've got their papers in order. Yeah, I think it's the rapists you need. The ra rabies, rabies. Yeah, as long as they've got all their shots. Yeah, they were fine. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he he sleeps through the night too. Yeah, he's fantastic. He doesn't sleep in the bed with me. He sleeps in his own bed. Nice. And uh, that's something you you have to be careful with little dogs. Mm. They, Sneaky. They, yeah, they, you know if you don't set rules about things like that that's what i was told when i got him was if you let him sleep with you you might roll on him oh, okay right and and uh, won't oh, even notice yeah, just like right. the deer off the bumper of your truck <laughs> that little <laughs> dog under your under your hip would yeah. just be crushed right so yeah 
Mm-hmm. I guess they wouldn't have the time to jump away. No, he'd be sleeping too, and you'd just roll over on him, right? So I, I feel much safer having him in his own bed, and and it makes it easy for like you know times like this when we're having our yeah. conversation. He's you, in his in his house sleeping. You let him on the couch and everything. So he, if he can jump up, he can make it. If not, <laughs> then I have to pick him up and put him on things. Okay, so, so you help him. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Does he drink kombucha? No. <laughs> It's not for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does he eat fermented food? No, no. He's he just he likes his hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. He likes his hot dogs and and uh, same same food he's been eating his whole life. Mm-hmm. Very so nice. Very simple. The dog food is really healthy, eh? I guess he seems to be doing quite well on it. Like I haven't really ever had much of a. I don't know, but ambition to eat it. It's really good. Like it's very balanced to the being. Yeah, that's like analyzing it. It's like perfect. So when I when I was a truck driver, I used to haul from various places, and one of the places was in, uh, in Alberta was a dog food factory. Mm. And what was interesting is is you wouldn't believe how many brands come out of the same building, uh, different shapes, different formulas, but it all comes out of the same building. Yeah, the and same people making all those foods. Is that applicable to the no names too? Sometimes. everything yeah absolutely yeah Come, comes for any big industry product like tires mm. batteries uh a lot of things like that clothes a lot of them are just made in the same factory and they put a different label on it that's crazy mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. the things we don't know driving truck was fun getting to see the the backdoor operations of all of these different companies and industries like i hauled uh sugar beets uh um, hauled sugar out of Roger Sugar mm. in Tabor, Alberta. So you know you get to see how how the sugar is made. That's very interesting because I use that in my kombucha. Yes, you know, and uh, yeah, just all sorts of industries that are quite interesting. You get never really get a chance. I love that show. Uh, How's that made? Okay. Have you ever seen that? They walk you through. I think there's a podcast too. You sure. Can send in questions and say, hey, wow, what is this? Why do, why do butterflies have wings or something? Yeah, is yeah. that similar? What do you mean? Oh, it's industry stuff. Okay. It's how things are created, how how things are made. Mm. And yeah, it's very fascinating. Is it a kid's show? No, it's it's more like an adult show, I okay. guess. Kids could find it interesting because it's, 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 you know, clean. Yeah. I was just asked questions nonstop. <laughs> why? Why? Absolutely. What? Right on. Yeah, That's awesome. He's so good. That's great. Yeah, there's not a moment of mental silence in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need some meditation. You yeah. need a float. Uh, uh, 100%. <laughs> and then when you talked about your sleep and you're like, I go to bed at 9.30 <laughs> and I wake up at 4.30. And I was like, okay, I got a little baby here. He's seven uh, months. And he wakes up every two hours. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then you said, don't wake up. And it's good if you don't wake up during specific times. And yeah. I was like, yeah, forget about this. <laughs> I know I leave a charmed life, you know, and that's why I said I'm very grateful mm. for what I have. You know, I know not, I know not everybody can enjoy the things I, I do. I think almost it's like full potential. I I hope not. I think there's more yet I could do. <laughs> I don't think I'm living to my full potential. I'm trying, you know, I try and improve yes. myself. And what if, if what the, I mean with full potential is you are, everything you're doing is leading you and you, you do it to a certain um you do it a certain way where it leads to like you are becoming you where you really like there's an there's maybe an eye opening lots of eye opening happening 
So I believe in the philosophy of lifelong learning. Yes. Right? So just being curious, like your child, just keeping that childlike curiosity, mm-hmm. I find is, is something important for me. So that that's all. I just try and just follow these curiosities and see where it takes me. So, you know, I, I don't have... It's frustrating for some people who expect everyone to have a five-year plan yeah. when you don't. Did you have anything like that when you started kombucha? Uh, well, when you start things like that, you have to start nailing down a trajectory and a plan, mm. right? But uh, no, I'm pretty flexible. I, I thought, oh, I might go this way, I might go that way. And it's a good thing I am because here I am. Things haven't worked out the way I'd anticipated. And yeah. and if I was very attached... It would be hard. It would be harder, yeah. right, to to admit the fact that this has to change. Yeah. And if I if I held on to it, and, and right, I really punished myself, like I say, another 40,000 more in debt. It seems like you really, you're good in evaluating choices. I'll pull the trigger when I need to. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what I, I find most difficult. Like you say, like, you know, some of the difficult things are the most rewarding though, right? Making those choices for yourself can have a great reward, but it can be tough. You know? Very tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change, change is difficult. Everyone struggles with change, mm. for sure. We get attached. We get set in a groove. Is it maybe easier for you because you, you were almost forced to have changes? Everyone's forced to change. Okay. Right? We're all forced to change. You think right? so? Yeah. Everybody? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. How come? Loved one dies. Okay. Right? That's nothing you would choose. Yeah. You're forced now to change your life and, and how you, you know, deal with things. Mm. You know? So loss is something... My roommate burned our house down years ago. Oh, I didn't have a choice in that change of my lifestyle, right? I came home one day and my house was gone. What? Right? Okay. My fingers. Yeah. Right? They're just gone. One day here, gone the next. Yeah. So change often isn't a choice we make. How we, how we deal with the change is a choice. Mm-hmm. But the change often is some external force thrust upon us. COVID. Right, COVID is a, a change for many of us that that nobody anticipated or wanted or brought on. It just happened. If if I read the news now and I look at it, and it's just I still sometimes think it's unreal that this is all happening. I know it's happening, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I mean just like the reality we live in. I'm disappointed in the lack of preparedness by our governments. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this was something in the pipeline. It was something that was bound to happen. We'd seen SARS, we'd seen MERS, we'd seen these things. Bill Gates had warned us years ago of a global pandemic and yeah. and here we are no ppe yeah, well it's been a hundred no, years no system to take care of people in their housing mm. during this so yeah i'm disappointed and i think the next time it happens that we'll be much more prepared i don't yeah. think it'll be a hundred years i think it'll be more of a a constant norm of of these threats being more uh in the forefront I hope not. Well, you know, when you see this many industries created around a problem, mm. I can't see it going away. Okay. I, there'd be a level of, of alertness, right, to this that, that we didn't have before. I think it can go either way. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's you can see this as an, as an opportunity for good things, mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. And then you can always see it from the other side, right, where... This is just like with um, sometimes you think this could only go this way, but maybe it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's definitely uh, not a guarantee that mm-hmm. this 
gets better. It could get worse, but I'm optimistic. Me too. You know, I, I see, like, look at Canada, how we're, we're dealing with this much better than many countries. I think we could inspire other countries to do better Mm. and uh, hopefully they do. Yeah. And we all come out closer as a, as a tighter knit global community because we're all in this together. Like, you know, that's, that's one of the things I thought everyone said it would be an alien invasion, you know, a a global threat Mm. that brought everyone together. It would take something of that magnitude to get us all to cooperate. Yeah. Well, we kind of have it, right? We kind of have this, global pandemic to pull us together to help us cooperate yeah so i hope we can do that oh well they had it in 1918 too mm-hmm. but like the more the more recent ones you know like the sars here in toronto you know that that was a very serious thing and mm-hmm. and uh it's who's hoping it would have prepared us more for these sorts of events and yeah it's been a couple of years though, right? Ten, yeah 10 and, 20, 10 years and and nothing really no like a stockpile of ppe it just seems like a simple thing to me. Why? Why didn't we have more yeah, they on expire. hand? Well, you keep turning it over. See, it's the it's the capitalistic profit okay. system we have, where those sorts of profit and loss. It's like warehousing nowadays. Yeah, warehousing nowadays. Just in time, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, I saw that in trucking. Yeah. Right, more and more warehousing disappearing. Yeah. Just in time. Yeah. Like during 9-11, that shut down the Canadian automobile industry because we couldn't get parts from America because the border closed. And that's your overhead, right? That's, you know. Like in a way, it's because you don't have those parts and the cost sitting on the shelf. I remember Teslas were held up at one point because Elon couldn't get a simple USB cable. Yeah. They needed those cables. They couldn't get them. They were just in time delivery and they'd been held up and his whole production line stopped. Yeah, but they switched over mainly now to do their own stuff, right? Well, again, because of those sorts of problems with supply chain management, they'll try and do more in-house stuff, right? I don't know what the percentage is and I might be wrong, but I think it's like 90, 90, 95, 90% that they do all their own now. So the, the Challenger disaster was outsourcing of parts from different companies, Okay. So, you know, I bet you Elon would be much happier making all of his own stuff if he could. Yeah. yeah. And outsourcing it to, to some parts company in, in Mexico mm-hmm. who doesn't have the same quality standards, perhaps. And plus for them, it was the technology. Nobody has those pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> because everything was new, right? Mm-hmm. So they had to make it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you would you drive an uh, electric Cybertruck <laughs> from here to Vancouver? I would love to. Yeah. Uh, that would be a real experience, yeah. That might be something that gets me back into trucking, some of the advancements. Uh, they won't be automated for many, many years. My career. Mm. Like I could finish my career if I, if I was to go back to trucking in a truck. Would you really do that though? No, well, no, probably not. I don't think but, so. But I, I just see that it's not going away anytime soon. Okay. Right. It's not in the next few years. Yeah. It's it's going to be decades. Mm-hmm. Decades. Yeah. So I think so too. Mm-hmm. It takes a while. There, it's only a assisted driving assist, right? There's so many other things that go with trucking that take a physical person. The robotic truck isn't going to, you know, unload your load for you. Mm. You know, check your brakes, check your truck, do a lot of the things you need to do, maintenance. So there'll be a driver along with the truck for many, many years still. Yeah. But his job will be getting easier. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think it's, but it's still mentally, it's a tough job to have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Often away from home, away from family, isolation, yeah. long hours, 
you know, but, but like I say, it's getting safer. Mm-hmm. They're more restrictive on the hours you can drive. Yeah. You know, they really watch that quite closely these days. I used to, when I first started, I'd run a lot of illegal hours, mm. stuff you couldn't get away with today. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything has a timer now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about mountains. Mm-hmm. Is our mountains a special place in your heart? I think so. I don't know. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with maybe imprints, you know, genetics or, or when you're young, exposure to certain things, smells, yeah. spaces, whatever it is, you know, I, but I do feel definitely a, a connection. Did you do a lot of climbing and um, hiking? A little bit of hiking, not much climbing. I'm a big guy. I've never really done well with rock climbing, hanging from my fingertips and stuff, but, but I enjoy did you do summiting? You well, you can. There's a lot of mountains in the Rockies that you can just walk up to in a way, right? Oh yeah, it's sure. A, it's a decent hike, but oh yeah. So uh, I I mentioned before that we would camp in Squamish at this uh, world-renowned rock face called Big Chief. Okay, and it's a rock climbing face that people come from all over around the world to to climb. And, uh, of course we would never climb that. Me and my friends were just hanging out, partying at the bottom of this cliff, but we would do the walk, yeah. you know, like more of a trail. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoy that stuff. I, I love nature. I love being out in the wilderness, you know, looking at the, I noticed your wife did those beautiful mushroom stickers. Yeah, I can't wait did. to get a, a sleeve of those for myself. Those are <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I love p- picking mushrooms. It's like over 30 mushrooms slowly yeah. you can pick and eat. So I'll tell you. Uh, there's a great online guide to Ontario mushrooms. Okay. Yeah, the government has this uh, terrific guide for beginners. Okay. And that's what I started with here. Yeah. And I, I went out in the woods and I started picking my own mushrooms. That's crazy. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, I guess it's safe. So, yeah, because what they do is they highlight uh, mushrooms that have no lookalikes. Mm-hmm. So they're they're ah, completely okay. identifiable. There okay. There's nothing that looks similar at all nice and so they start you with very simple easy mushrooms cool yeah so you go like five minutes into the bush and then you find them oh yeah they're everywhere you can find them on your lawn the the inky caps you know the shaggy mane the Mm -hmm. the, you see their tall cylindrical mushrooms they grow in lawns yeah those are delicious wow those are those are amazing you can't buy them in the store because they're too delicate Mm -hmm. you can't pick them and ship them and and hold them for even a day you have to pick them and eat them Right away. You you cook them, pick them, cook them, and eat them. Nice. Yeah. Like with rice and kimchi? I did those just with a light batter and fried. Ooh, and some eggs. that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, there's a lot of wonderful things uh, in the woods to enjoy. Well, so, when I lived in BC before, some extra money I made at one time was harvesting uh, just bits of... of uh, trees and and whatnot for a friend who made wreaths at christmas okay so i'd go out in the woods and she would give me a list of all these different tree branches and holly berries and things that i'd collect and then she would give me some money and mm-hmm. it was wonderful you know um do you ever uh, look at models model trains model sets oh, my dad used to be a huge collector yeah so the little trees that they use in those sets some yeah. of those are moss that uh, come from yeah. the mountains it's true mm-hmm. yeah 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 I, because you can, you can, can just pick it. Right? Yeah, one piece of moss can be worth thousands of dollars when you sell it to railroaders that <laughs> have those little sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. all kinds of interesting foraging mm. that you can do in the wilderness, and so that's one of the things I enjoy about the mountains and and 
you know, being out in that environment. What else do you like out there? Like, is it because it's home? I guess. I think so. I think a lot of my interests too just align with the culture out there. Mm. You know, these days the kombucha, uh, the tiny homes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just so, just a lot of things I connect with. Do people give you a weird look when you say you live in a tiny home? Oh yeah, a lot of well. So now, more recently, it's been quite interesting. The topic is is quite popular. I've seen lots of YouTube videos of like even people who live just in a van. Yeah, so van life now they call that yeah. van life is is become quite popular, and that's kind of more my lifestyle now with the camper. The camper is more van life, yeah, than tiny home. Yeah, but it's a decent setup you would have, right? Yeah, it's compared a, to like a con like a. Like a car, even or a van. Some people do, yeah. They get that simple with it, and and I I could see it. I've done it. So I've driven trucks where you just have a tiny little sleeper that yep. you just slip into, and that's really all all you have. And you can survive that way with the amenities around you. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know. so you think it's it's something society should take a look at and reevaluate. So it has its it has its usefulness in certain segments for sure, right? Not everyone can live in a tiny home. Some people obviously require more space, yeah. but it's not for everybody. But for for those people who need, you know, affordable housing or want, mm. you know, the simplicity. That's a good point. Um, there's great options now out there for people, right? Uh, I'd like to work to help, you know, see more people in housing. Yeah. How the homelessness pop population is just growing by leaps and bounds, especially now with this pandemic. Like I just watched a story out of Vancouver, the tent cities that are popping up are just shocking, mm. much like what's going on in the U.S. Yeah, and uh, I think that's we just don't have the climate, mm. and we have the money. You know, Canada's a rich country. We shouldn't have these kinds of social problems. No, we should be investing more in our communities and fixing these things. Yeah. And I think if you do that on a small grassroots route level, it, it can be done without a lot of the larger corruption and costs that come with some of these big housing projects that, that are built. And you look at the living conditions for the people that, that live in these sometimes real ghettos. And uh, I think we, we could mix we could mix up our, our uh, cultures and cities in better ways than that. I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Canada, the the country, what it stands for, and the people that are in Canada from all over the world, and they all live together and they make it happen. That's a very, very um, big thing, and it's absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. it, it's not perfect. But, oh no, we're but, far from perfect. Uh, that's for sure. But, but it's like it's like you the, the mentality that is exists here mm -hmm. or that can exist here mm -hmm. is absolutely amazing mm -hmm. for that. Oh yeah, the the immigrant mentality is is fantastic. You know, having the diversity of cultures that we have here is fantastic. I agree. Uh, you know, my my family comes from Mennonite descent, yeah. and um, just tremendous what they've brought to this country. The way they shape the prairies, mm -hmm. you know, uh, farming that they brought. Look at Thunder Bay, the Finns and the Italians, the way they've shaped this community, the brickwork around here that the Italians put in, the the saunas, the saunas that I enjoy <laughs> is much of the Finnish tradition from Thunder Bay. So, you know, we all give so much, the native people, right? Tremendous yes. contributions to our culture in so many ways. 
so many ways, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so, yeah, we need to respect each other's cultures and, and learn from each other. And I think it's wonderful that we, we have such a diverse country. Yeah. I, I agree. hundred mm. percent. Mm. I wouldn't want it on any other way mm-hmm. because it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I absolutely mean it. I had, um, Crystal Hardy on the show. She is a, her spirit name is sounding Thunderbird woman. Mm. And, you know, I, I talk to her and I try to get more knowledge out of her culture mm-hmm. because I find sometimes it's hard to get that. Mm-hmm. And she, she shared a lot, mm-hmm. but I told her afterwards, you have to come back because I have so many more questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> because the, for me, where I'm from in Germany, it's always the, that culture is very, um, it's almost holy. Mm. There, there's a lot of, um, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But the way I was brought up, it was always like it, there was this connection to it. No idea. Mm-hmm. But I like what they're doing, and the culture is so amazing. Well, theirs is very spiritual. It wouldn't be so religious, but but very connected to their 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 environment. Yes, and nature. That, that's just amazing. Yeah, and then they 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 look at things and the way they look at things with the four um, powers. So I'll tell you one of my my favorite native teachings or beliefs is that they would look seven generations to the future before they would make major changes for their their uh, uh, tribe or their culture. Okay, they they would try and foresee what these changes would mean seven generations down the line. Wow! Right. So the forethought that would go into decisions that they would make. Right, that would have tremendous implications for their future. That that was really not taken lightly. Mm-hmm. Right, they really, really thought hard about what changes would bring them. Do you think that's like thirty years for each generation, or how do you? Th- well, you know, just think about that. Like, what what sort of forethought or or planning do we put as a society into cities and places? Seven generations? No. I don't know. I don't think so. No. Right? Like, I think uh, we should be trying to run a longer mm-hmm. game, a longer plan yeah. than this just-in-time delivery. <laughs> right? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of potential. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that's a good one. Yeah. I think that's uh, that there's a lot of meaning in what you just said. Mm. Yeah, well, we're in a hurry. Right, we're in a hurry. We leap into things often without really thinking them through, mm. and sometimes that gets us into trouble. Right? Yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, so it's good to be careful when you're making major changes. Let's see what that implication will be. And often we just try things. Right? Mm-hmm. Flick a switch. Right? I, I always thought it was amazing some of the technologies they've turned on. Right? And. So far, we've been lucky, you know, no black hole has opened up, you know. Yeah, you know, the, that was a concern. The Hydrogen Collider, yeah. right? They said could, you know, the the atom bomb. Yeah. Like so many things we've created. And, and some of it's a slower burn. Look at plastic, mm. you know. Like, is plastic going to destroy the planet? <laughs> you know, some of the things we're releasing, you know, into our environment, uh, you know, is just really shocking. You don't give much forethought. Microbeads. Mm. right they replaced walnut shells in cosmetics yeah and then we just put them out in the environment and then they realized whoa we got to pull this back yeah right but it's too late it's in the environment when did you become aware of things that are going on around the earth 
Oh, well, my dad is a history professor and he taught environmental studies. Ah, okay. So it's yeah. in your upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you still drive a diesel? Yeah. Like that sort of thing on a personal level of necessity, um, you can't really judge an individual for, for his necessities. I like right? that. One, one person might need... Yeah. Like for work, for you me, the truck it, right? is, is a work vehicle. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, trains burn a lot of diesel, yeah. but we need them to haul our, our stuff. Because there's know? nothing there at the moment that could do it. Yeah. In a way, how Canada is designed. Mm -hmm. Like trains in Germany are all electric. I shut off my truck when I'm not using it. Mm -hmm. I don't let it idle. You yeah. know, I'm respectful yeah. of, of uh, my consumption, yeah. but some consumption is still necessary. For sure. You know, but I limit you know what i buy you know my, i live a very minimalistic lifestyle these days uh, i haven't ordered anything from amazon since the pandemic started <laughs> so that's good you know i i wear clothes from the thrift store and yeah you know i i buy most of my stuff used if i can that's so amazing oh it's it's easier that way mm. i have a lot less stress in my life you know yeah but you need to come to that level where you where you can get there. Right? Oh yeah, I'm old. I'm almost 50, right? <laughs> I've had time. I've had time to sow my oats and learn lessons and whatnot. Like, you know, I think all the time about how difficult this pandemic would be for me and my youth. Mm. And I, I try to really sympathize with uh, people that aren't as lucky yeah. to be in the position I'm in yes. now, you know, um, having mellowed a lot. Like I just, these restrictions, you know? So I, I, When I see people breaking some of these new social rules, I, I'm, I'm considerate of, of their position, mm. where they're at. Because I know you couldn't have gotten me to stay quarantined in my early 20s or in my teens, you know. It's hard. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't put myself in the shoes of those people. It's hard. I see it when we are at home. I, I felt, I know my toddler, he's like five. Mm -hmm. I felt, I felt that he... He had stress mm -hmm. that like wasn't there before. Mm, wow, you know, it's mm -hmm. just like suddenly all the friends are gone, mm -hmm. and it's half a year later, and mm -hmm. he still hasn't seen them. Wow, mm -hmm. because it's that's an interesting perspective I don't have. Right, not not having children around yeah. that that must be quite something to see. It's just a little disturbing, eh? Um, like you are you worried about social connections for him or are you trying to pull like, i think he's going to be fine friends together in small groups for, for we, we are allowed to have that 10 people circle uh -huh, now, right uh -huh. so that works mm -hmm. but like we waited two weeks after stage three to mm -hmm. for for the first time and then we went to the park and then like he he loved it mm -hmm. and he's just like he lit up mm -hmm. and then he's When we go now maybe once or twice a week and he goes there and he, there's strangers mm -hmm. and then he the, the, the kids are magical mm -hmm. because there's a stranger kid and then there's Albus and they come together they follow each other for a little bit and then they are best friends <laughs> yeah and no matter who they are mm -hmm. they are, they're best friends mm -hmm. for that one hour mm -hmm. and then they say bye mm -hmm. And it's just like magic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we can't lose. That's so important, right? We need that. You know, kids need that especially. Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. It's very healthy. Mm -hmm. And then he says afterwards, he says, oh, this was nice, Papa. <laughs> you know, thanks for taking me to the park. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. can we go in? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, see, that's one of the great things about Thunder Bay is even during this whole pandemic, I never had to stop walking my dog or going to, you know, certain places. Sure. Mm. There was restrictions. 
I got a, a letter, a warning letter from a, a city employee one time when I was on a trail I shouldn't have been on. Okay. But I got a warning. He yeah. didn't give me a ticket. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was near the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't, I didn't go use that trail any longer. But, you know, walking just out in the community, you know, it's not something that some places allow. Yeah. Like when you look at the restrictions, the level of restrictions of lockdown in some places, it's like scary, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just so thankful I was in Thunder Bay during that. We got really lucky so far. Yeah, yeah, because we have such a, a beautiful city with spaces that we can utilize safely. Yeah. I think this will be a big draw to people, you know, with with companies like Twitter shutting down all of their offices and sending all of their workforces home mm. and saying, you can all work from home. Yeah. Why would you live in downtown New York or downtown Toronto if the nightlife isn't there now like yep. it used to be? Why Why would you want to live in a place like that? Why not live in Thunder Bay? I think that's coming. Sure. Yep. You can work from your home. Yeah. It's more even, affordable. You can even work uh, in your um, in your truck. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you that can, all started when I was getting out of trucking was uh, the, the internet yeah. connections. Yeah. You You're know. a graphic designer. You just you live in your van, you drive places, and mm-hmm. you you have your projects, and you send them off, and that's it. That's mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. I can't see me doing that with kids. So, I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it done. I've seen people. I don't know. Man. Do the RV life with kids, and and they get an interesting experience that way. You know, traveling and learning on the road. A lot of people homeschool. Yeah. And uh, how long are they going to do it though? A few years, yeah. you know, if you did it for a few years, your kids saw all of North America. For sure. That would be interesting. If they remember. Yeah. Well, they would have a lot of pictures and memories. Yeah. I have great memories of, of old car trips with the yeah. family. Do you remember lots when you were younger? Like yeah. my, my brain is mush and like, I can't remember anything before I went to school. <laughs> I, I have, I have bits, okay. I have bits and pieces, but you know what I find interesting is that Like, er, say for Thunder Bay, because I grew up here for quite some time and I moved back. Yeah, I meet people that have never left. Their memories of, of the past seem much more clear yeah. because they get constant reminders uh, of the past because everything's the same. Okay. So like when I, I never thought of people or places in Thunder Bay for most of my adult life until I was back here. And then I drive by a place. I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, so-and-so lived there. Oh, I hadn't thought of that person in so long. These, these triggers of my memories are all around me again now. Yeah. You know, and they're reminding me of things of the past. But when I was living other places, well, those those reminders aren't around. Yeah. So so you just kind of forget. You don't use those memories. They, they become more distant and weak because you don't recall them. Memories are only as good as the numbers of times you recall them. I guess so. Right? Once you don't recall them, any, like, like my accident. Mm. You know, when that first happened... I could tell you exactly what happened in what order by the second because it replayed in my head all the time. Yeah. But now I I would have a hard time recounting exactly, mm. you know, from my memory. Like, sure, the, the rough parts I, I'm still aware of, but I can't relive it like I was there anymore, which I'm glad. <laughs> This is good, right? You get over that. Yeah, yeah. you can get over that sort of uh, trauma over time if you're lucky. Yes. Yeah, and I've been quite lucky. Yeah, you're good at letting go, I guess. I've worked on it, right? I don't know. Uh, it's not a natural thing for people. I think it's effort. Mm. You have to put in effort to overcome some of those losses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how do you do it? Is it mentally and then meditation maybe? 
yeah, it's all a combination of, of things you build up over, over years, I guess, of, mm-hmm. of ch- overcoming challenges. And, and so you learn coping mechanisms to accept change. Yeah. But, uh, but it's always difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, Bryce, I know you were going to be, I think, very happy where you're going. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I will. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I think it's a good journey. Mm-hmm. I think you have an, you have it planned out nicely. I'm very sure as well you will be missed in Thunder Bay. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, well, I always come back for a visit. My parents still live here, so okay. I, I probably will return at least for a visit. I used to come at Christmas. Yeah. I used to make a special effort when I could to come at Christmas and nice. you know, do that very traditional. My parents belong to uh, St. Paul's United Church here. Nice. Beautiful church in, down by Waverly Park. And so it was always nice to hit that, you know, Christmas service. And then we have a cheese fondue, mm. you know, tradition we would do afterwards. And nice. Yeah. So if I can still make it here for at least uh, Christmas dinners and stuff would be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think... I think we're going to close this off, Bryce. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, it's been a really great talk. I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> I I will miss you, man. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's yeah, hard to you let too. you go. Yeah, yeah thanks. I, th- I, think, I think you will be back. <laughs> ah, well, you never know. I never thought I would be in here. I am. So we'll it's, see. It's like the saying, uh, you always meet twice, right? Mm. Do you believe in that? Well, sometimes I, I find that we often don't respect the fact that it's often the last time we'll see each other mm-hmm. when we see each other and that these, these sorts of meetings should be precious because we never know we yeah. see each other again. Yeah. Right? It's, I like how they say it in language. See you later, mm-hmm. which means I will see you again. I love saying that. Even if it's not true, I love saying it. I do. It, it makes me feel better to yes. say that than goodbye. Yeah. I'd rather say see you later. Yeah. And in German, it's Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen, of course. Which means... I I will see you again. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. really good. Yeah, nice. Okay, I wish you, from my perspective and from my family, I wish you the very best. And I'm glad that I know you and you got here on the podcast and shared everything. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, all the best to you and your family as well. And and I hope we can do this again. We will. Awesome. Okay, take care, Bryce. Thank you.